0: A B there, but a
1: There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 you having a wank, are you? And it's like, no!
0: Many, 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 meki 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 many, many, The Voices of Wrestling Podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out
1: South and go listen to some boring podcast where, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Craig. I want Who you. delivers? I, this guy in a big spot. Joe, don't yell at me. I in in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree.
0: All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I am Rich Grach, alongside, as always, the man himself, the king of banter, Mr. Joe, Landa Joe. How are you doing? You
1: know, I was, uh, I forgot what night TNA moved to,
0: so... Oh, you're, you're very, you had a, uh, a very upsetting Tuesday then, I bet.
1: Well, I was, I, you know, I told you I got new DVRs last week. Mm-hmm. So I gotta reprogram them. So I typed, this is interesting now, um, so I typed... Um, action-adventure drama into my DVR and Lucha Underground didn't come up. But it's funny, when I typed wrestling into the <laughs> DVR, <laughs> the very first entry is Lucha Underground. Very first. Um, so I found Lucha Underground, and which I'm not going to record. Not because I'm blowing it off. I'm going to watch the
0: Ultima Lucha. Are you going to watch the Ultimate Lucha? That's always a good time. Yeah, I like uh, what I've done in, in the past ones or what I did for last year's one is I, I watched them all in like one sitting. You know, I thought that was a better way of sort of doing it. So yeah, I haven't watched them yet, but I'm planning on just sitting down and watching all three like back to back to back to back. So um, uh, yeah, I, that, I will watch it. But yeah, right now I, I have not. So
1: yeah, so I'm waiting for that those to finish up. But see, the thing is, I get the Lucha Underground in standard definition. But what's weird is if I watch it like on the on-demand gimmick, it's HD.
0: Yes, which I always went out because I don't I, I, before I didn't get even though I had all HD channels, everything I had for whatever reason, I would never get El Rey in HD. I have no idea why. I don't know what I could do to acquire uh, El Rey in HD. But yeah, like you said, every time I was going on, on demand, it was so I always wait. I never watched Lutzer live because of that, because it looked like absolute garbage on my TV if I watched it on El Rey. So, yeah, I, why is that? I have no idea. I don't know
1: either. I got DirecTV and it's the same deal. It's like HD if you watch it on demand, but it's like on a two week delay or something um but that's okay but so i don't record that because i'm just gonna watch it you know but but the point was i was looking for the impact because i forgot what fucking day it was on it's on thursdays correct
0: uh correct yes
1: now when i, I
0: so pack your shit pack your shit joe didn't uh, didn't the bram uh, commercials sink into you at all the apparently not the Bram loading a truck or i or, or i think it was like at one point it was like R- davy Richards loading and it was pack your shit you gotta pack your shit and move to thursday joe so I, come on. so I entered wrestling into my
1: search box, and I'm going to tell you what came up here. The very first entry was Lucha Underground, which is odd because that's an action-adventure drama.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it's uh, – yeah. I, I, it's, I
1: don't know why that came up under wrestling or why it would be categorized under, under, under wrestling. Are, we
0: gonna, are you going to give me those weird, like, porns that are somehow – they're I, like I'm gonna, weird pay-per-views that come I'm gonna
1: up? I'm going to read you the
0: whole list. Okay, it, it is. But <laughs> I have seen these as well because I've done a similar search. But, but go on.
1: We have arm wrestling. This okay. is uh, – let's see if I got a description for the arm wrestling.
0: Nope, no description. It's just very simple. It's just arm wrestling. What, what channel shows, quote, arm wrestling?
1: Uh, hold on. I already backed that out of there. I got the uh, – <laughs> let's see, uh, 209. So I think that's like ESPN2. or It's one of the ESPNs. So.
0: Uh, it, what are they showing arm wrestling?
1: Let's see. It's uh, the prime time of Sunday at 2 a.m. <laughs> okay. And then it replays Sunday at 5 a.m. This, Ooh, okay. is this is World League arm wrestling from Las Vegas. Uh, the lightweight championships, Rich. <laughs> apparently the lightweights aren't a draw because the middleweights, they got 8 p.m. on Tuesday. Oh, that's not bad. Prime time.
0: For ESPN2, no, the deuce, that's not bad. So the
1: middleweights, uh, and, then, and then the lightweights again, they replay the lightweights at midnight on Monday. So I don't know what's going on in the world of arm wrestling, but the lightweights clearly aren't drawing.
0: Where are uh, no, no heavyweights? I have no idea about the weight classes of um, uh, arm wrestling, but the heavyweights are not listed. The heavyweight championship is uh, Tuesday at 6 p.m. That's wow. OK, so the
1: middleweights get the uh,
0: ESPN2 really ready for NFL season to start because <laughs> they have no programming.
1: I got I, you know, I got to tell you. And then let's see. We got Lucha Libre Mexicana. That's okay. the uh, that's the six week delay Arena Mexico matches on uh, Time Warner Deportes. We got New Japan Pro Wrestling, of course. That's the Axis Show. How about this, Rich? Urban Wrestling Federation.
0: Yeah, we got a press release from them. The uh, the guys that, that uh, they send us a uh, a beautiful press release about the the return of the Urban Wrestling Federation. I think that it was a very good headline. Let me find out what that headline was because I think uh, I think you'll enjoy it. So yeah, we got, when, we got, uh, When's that on? Where were you going? Well,
1: we got two pay per views here for the Urban Wrestling Federation. They're nine ninety five each. You tell me which one you'd rather watch. Okay. We got bloody bullet, which says blood is in the streets and the shot callers are uptight. (laughs) Okay, and then the other episode is hood killer, not killer.
0: Hood killer. Oh, that's okay. The press release that we got is great. So it says (laughs) this. I now I remember why I wanted to, to, to mention this to you. Okay, groundbreaking quote: street crime wrestling drama, urban wrestling federation returns to pay per view this month with. Hood Killer. That's right. So also not a wrestling show, but a street crime wrestling. Drama. At least
1: they know what they are. And right. and, and uh, here's the description for Hood Killer: Thugs perform violent street work. That sounds interesting. I gotta tell you, I'm interested in seeing these thugs perform violent street work. How does that transition into matches? Are these are these are these fights fought in a ring? Or is it like WCW Backstage Brawl on the PlayStation 2 or whatever that
0: Backstage was? Assault, oh, Backstage Assault,
1: sir. Backstage Assault. What, what was that, PlayStation or PlayStation 2? Uh,
0: I think PlayStation. It was the old top point. loader, right? Yeah, PlayStation and N64 at that point.
1: When you had, Did you have the old top loading PlayStation? Um, I did, yes. Did, did yeah. yours get to the point where you had to have it upside down to get it to work? Oh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I would my, my PS2 also did the same thing where I just, it was just impossible to get that damn thing to work. <laughs> At a certain point, there was, there was a list of like 15 things I had to do uh, before I could actually get it uh, to go. I'm looking through their Vimeo uh, teaser, and yes, it, it, there's a ring. They're not in the ring all the time. Uh, they're mostly out of the ring in this teaser. Um, and then they're backstage in the green room. But no, they're, 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 I guess they're sort of in the ring. I, I don't know. I've, I've never watched the urban wrestling federation but i do like uh here's the uh, the lead of their uh, press release with lucha underground being praised for its telenova style approach to pro wrestling fans will now have a chance to watch pro wrestling's original drama series urban wrestling federation as the uwf has returned monthly to pay-per-view shots fired pew pew yeah
1: they're coming right at them 995 i might have to give it a shot
0: oh we can oh joe yes sir i got it for you what do you got they said they'd give us a screener. Are you serious? You wanna watch it? You wanna review it and watch Absolutely. it? Absolutely. You got it. Alright, I will I will email this man right now and let him know we are interested and afford it right to you. So, so you can review it, an exclusive interview of Hoodkiller. So
1: we're getting we're getting a screener of Hoodkiller? We are, yes. This is exciting. This is thugs perform violent street work.
0: This is <laughs> <laughs> but There was another part that I <laughs> highlighted too. The drama in the Urban Wrestling Federation finds hip hop rapper street bosses pitting their goons and thugs against each other in an attempt to not only one up one another for that championship belt bragging rights. But to get that good, old-fashioned paper, dash-dash, cash money. Oh, well, listen. if Like, the whitest man ever wrote this press release, which is the greatest thing ever. Like, he had buzzwords, and he asked his children, like, what do you, like, the rappers say? And then came up with this press release, which is fantastic. And Rich,
1: the second whitest man ever, is going to review it next week. (laughs) That's
0: what I said. So, Oh, you got, oh, I forgot who's in this thing. This is not bad, okay. Uh, With their goons set to do battle, the action inside the ring is as fierce as the names you know, like Homicide. Rich Beast Ortiz, former, of course, Ricky Ortiz, your boy, Eddie Kingston, Famous B, as seen on Lucha Underground, Willie Mack, as seen on Lucha Underground, and Ricky Reyes, as seen on Lucha Underground, <laughs> and Bastia, as seen on Lucha Underground.
1: So, what they're saying is a few of those men have been on Lucha Underground. <laughs> they fire shots at them, but then they try to. Rock
0: you also their got Murder One and the Ghetto Mafia will be there as well. So am um, real
1: excited about this. Hood Killer. It will be reviewed. I'll tell you what won't be reviewed. But you could also get for nine ninety five, women's extreme wrestling, either ring felony or hit chicks. Now, Rich,
0: uh, hit chicks for me, I think.
1: Yeah,
0: no ring. Sorry, I take the back ring felony.
1: You know, these are for mature audiences though, Rich. These are on the uh, the old the old adult film channels. So uh, I don't know what kind of wrestling quality you're going to get. I don't know what kind of work rate, and I have a feeling these fights are going to degenerate into some sex. <laughs> I don't know what gives me that uh, – <laughs> gives me that feeling. But here, it says, uh, they're sexy as hell, but don't turn your back. Your throat will get cut fast, just Oof. like their opponents. Hold on a second. There's nothing sexy about throats getting cut. I don't know. It, that's not much of a teaser, is it?
0: I mean, it's supposed to be um, – Yeah, that doesn't really kind of get my uh, uh, juices flowing really. Hey, you know what? Like, you know what? The first part did. Hey. The first part did. Not, not so much the death Here's part. The thing, that- I don't
1: think it's porn
0: now that I look a little closer. Oh, it's like legit extreme women's wrestling?
1: Yeah, it says sports wrestling. And where I got thrown off is it says mature. But I think it's labeled mature for the adult content and the adult language. I don't think it's porn. So I don't know who's participating in that. But uh, (laughs) let's see what else we got. We got Compacto Lucha Libre. If one of our... uh, Lucha experts listening, can <laughs> let me know what compacto. that is. I don't know what compacto. Oh, uh, you know what? That probably
0: it's got to be midget wrestling, right? Is that compacto? I don't know.
1: You're, you, you know what? I could see where you would think that because, like, a compact man would be a midget, right? But what I think it might be, and I'm going to record one just to say, I think it might be a condensed version of the Arena Mexico show. Oh. <laughs> okay. But hey, I like your version better. If it's if it's minis, I'll be into that. In fact, I hope it's minis. See, I'm the politically correct one. You're out here calling them midgets. I don't even know if that's an acceptable. I think term. you called them midgets.
0: Did I say midget? Maybe
1: I did. Okay. Do we have any midget listeners? I'm putting out a call. If you're a midget <sighs> listener, is midget still acceptable to use? I don't think it is. I think I don't believe it is either. I don't no. think you're supposed to say midget. Or it's one of those words where like like the uppity midgets don't like it, but I think there's some midgets that are okay with it. I think what they don't like is dwarf? Because I
0: do not believe they like. Well, here's no, why: because because it's different. It's not everyone's a dwarf.
1: Exactly. Dwarf right. is a specific midget. So you don't want to be called a dwarf if you're not a dwarf. You know what I mean? That's like that's that's. I think dwarfs are smaller too. They're like the little two and a half, three foot deals, aren't they? And the midgets are just because I think if you're below four foot ten, you're technically and legally uh, classified as a midget. Like you could be a really short. Like usually a woman. There's not many men that show, but I suppose there could be. But if you're like four foot nine, I think legally you're classified as a midget and like you're legally classified as disabled, which is awesome because you can get like a handicap parking voucher. And and park in the handicap spaces,
0: which is (laughs) only you would be excited about obtaining a handicap parking spot. Think about
1: that. I mean, for what? Just because you're short? I mean, that's a tremendous advantage. You know, for being four foot nine. If you're like a four foot nine woman or something, like I don't know if I'd want to be like a four foot nine man. That would kind of suck. But a four foot nine woman? That's really not that bad, right?
0: Yeah, uh, Michelle's not that far off. She's five two. So there's a
1: lot of women that are like five foot even, four foot eleven, and that's really a, a negligible difference from the midget line. So if you can get like a uh, handicapped parking voucher for that, I, I got to tell you, you know, if I was close, if I was like four foot, 11 or five foot, I would try to like, you know, sneak my way into that handicapped parking voucher. You know, why not? That's a tremendous advantage. Um, so that's compacto Lucha Libre. Then we got there's the impact wrestling listed beneath all of those things, by the way, <laughs> which actually isn't that insulting because we haven't gotten to any WWE.
0: Oh, that's true. Right. Yeah. But they're not wrestling. They're sports entertainment. I'm curious to see if they'll be listed. We've got
1: takedown wrestling.
0: How long is this going to take? <laughs> We've got. <laughs> not that, not that I'm not enjoying this a lot, but uh, how much longer are we going? We've got,
1: here? I don't know. I haven't.
0: Okay. All right. List. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is the first time for the list. Okay. Take, Go on.
1: Takedown wrestling is amateur wrestling, so the only people watching are Dave Meltzer and Front Row Brian. So that's the takedown wrestling. That's uh, it's an actually an, a a highlight show of high school and college wrestling. I
0: have a buddy who's way into like high school wrestling as well, so he's watching. But yeah, that's it. We
1: got two TNA One Night Only World Cup 2016 <laughs> pay-per-views. You can get it in standard def for
0: 14.95 or HD for
1: 24.95.
0: How many? How many do they honestly sell of those? What's a realistic guess for those? I would say like twelve. <laughs> like twelve thousand. No, like 12. I mean, Who was going to pay 24 for the, that? It, it's not advertised. You have no idea it's on. The only people that ever know that it's on are people that look up wrestling like you and scroll down nine different. Like, how would you know those things are on?
1: OK, here's what I think. I think everyone at the asylum watches them. Um, and we'll assume that <sighs> and we'll assume that they pay. Oh, they watch them. Come on, Rich. Those guys watch them. They're, they're hardcore fans. So, that's
0: 11. so we got 11. then. our okay. kidney orders it. Well he's insane. Yeah, he doesn't count. He's, all, he's he's a he's a
1: super fan. And I think him and all the asylum people order it. Does the Mecca still exist?
0: Uh, the, I don't know if the asylum still exists. Best, I, know yeah, the Mecca I always does. confuse them. So I think they both no, do they both exist? I they splintered and I don't remember if anyone won the war, but uh the Tuesday slash Thursday slash Sunday slash Friday night wars. I don't know who won that one, but uh
1: Well I think all those guys order it and then you would think that maybe someone at two in the morning with nothing better to do <laughs> I
0: don't think you come home from the bars, you're flipping through your guide. You're like, ah, eh, here's some wrestling. Um, but you got how where in your guide is it, though? That's the thing that like it's not the old days where like when I grew up, like 95 was the pay-per-view channel or whatever. Like now, how do you how do you scroll to TNA one night only? Like it's like a channel like 970, right? Like and for me, it's way down there.
1: Uh, DirecTV, it's channel. Well, it's in the pay-per-view channel, so it's 122. OK, that's not too bad. The 100s are the pay-per-view channels. But it, look, I'm going to say a thousand.
0: OK, but, uh, let's maybe. let's
1: email Dave and see if he knows.
0: I <laughs> doubt he knows you should tweet. at What you should do is 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 create a new Twitter account that has no followers and no sort of substance whatsoever. And then tweet at him. And then he will most certainly uh, um, re- reply to you. Because if you if if you're like actually have any sort of presence online, he won't reply to you. But if you're just some like weird egg man that that. Only exists to tweet at Dave Meltzer. He will respond to you immediately. So how about you do that? Listen, don't be disrespecting the Eggmen. Okay. Well, you're an Eggman with some cachet, though. You, you do it ironically. I do do it ironically. I'm talking like he, he replies to like WWE fan like 69242989212. Who's like, hey, was Montreal a screw job or what? Like, was that a shoot or a work? And he's like, that oh, was a shoot. Was
1: it really 93,000 <laughs> in the Silver Dome?
0: <laughs> right, like
1: he replies to those every day. Was, Ted, like, hey, was Ted
0: Dave, brother, like, did,
1: you know. Did Ted DiBiase ever really win the WWF Heavyweight <laughs> title? <laughs> always...
0: Yeah, so. They're just the worst. It's like, Dave, brother, like, kid, log off. I think gets in like arguments with them too. Man, like they don't matter. Just.
1: WWE Raw en Espanol. WWE Smackdown and WWE Smackdown with an exclamation point. I don't know what the differences are, but there's two different listings here. Then we've got WWE Monday Night Raw. We've got To Be Announced. I don't know what that is. Hey, look at this. Ring of Honor. What the hell? I didn't know I'd get Ring of Honor. Look, this was useful. Let me (laughs) see what's going on here with this Ring of Honor. I I definitely don't get Comet. Let's see. Could this also be a pay-per-view? ROH is based around pure wrestling style and code of honor that all wrestlers must abide by.
0: I don't know if that's true anymore, is it?
1: It's on, uh, let's see, Sunday at 7 o'clock on 628. Oh, I think that's, yeah, that, yeah. You get I it. get Nesson. I didn't even know that. <laughs> i have I've,
0: I've, I've, been watching Boston Red Sox baseball all year.
1: I've had the, uh, I didn't know we get, well, that's the Nesson local. I didn't know we get, that I get the.
0: Oh, I forgot that
1: there. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't know I that. get the Nesson national. I've gotten the Ring of Honor show all this time and have never bothered to record it. How about that? See, we learned something here. Let me hit the old record button here, and now I get to see some Ring of Honor action that was recorded in February. I'm very excited nice. about this.
0: Uh, great, Dave. And then we're, maybe we'll actually get into some real topics here at some point. Uh, the Creeper at Here's the Creeper uh, asked Dave Meltzer, has Luke Harper retired? And Dave said, has a knee injury. We'll be back later this year.
1: Well, listen, that's a valid question from the Creeper because we haven't seen this man on television in a long
0: time. Look, I feel like you have the internet, so I feel like you can find that out on your own without tweeting at Dave, uh, but... If he's going to answer, hey, if he's going to be here, that's the go for it. I mean.
1: We got college wrestling. We've got global supercard wrestling. And then we've got something called. Historias detras de la mascara. Now, I'm no Spanish expert, Rich, but I think that means history of the mask. And that could be something interesting.
0: That could be right. I'd throw a little record on that. I think boy. I'm
1: going to. This episode is called con el hijo del santo that's a pretty good episode to start
0: with that's that okay i'm gonna have to look for that as well that sounds really good it
1: looks like a history of uh you know el hijo del santo so uh the son of the greatest luchador of all time and a great luchador in his own right so see that rich this was productive i'm gonna watch ring of honor now and we're gonna record this uh history of el hijo del santo
0: Oh, perfect. And, I thought I thought there'd be more like apartment wrestling, but uh, I, I get it. I, I get a ton of apartment wrestling on my little pay-per-view thing. But that's because Chicago is a very salacious city. I think it is. That must be it. Like I'll have to I'll have to next time I'll I'll jot down all my uh, weird ones. Yeah, I have like some weird pay-per-views. They're always like apartment wrestling and they're numbered like so obni- it's like number 79. It's like, you know, like femme fatales 79 or whatever i'm like what the fuck is this like why like who's how do you produce that many of those and who's watching these but you know hey hey listen
1: if they keep producing them yep, someone's that's... watching that shit you know and that would always freak me out when i was a little kid i didn't really understand it when i was a little kid like in the magazines the apartment wrestling ads for the vhs or beta yeah i
0: felt like i was, i shouldn't have saw those like i like they they got in, they slipped into the magazine by mistake or something like that. But yeah, they were. Uh... Yeah,
1: and then you turn like eleven or twelve, and it all comes together. You're like, wait a minute, this is <laughs>
0: <laughs> those aren't actually wrestling matches. Wait a minute, this
1: is for masturbating, much like Misty Blue Sims. This is for masturbating, and and not that I masturbated to Misty Blue Sims, but I mean, let's face it, you know, she was just putting it all out there, but. But when you're younger than that, you're really confused. Like, I don't see these women in the official rankings in the back of the magazine. So I don't know what kind of wrestling this is. And it's clearly not in a ring. So, yeah, but apparently that still exists. People must be paying for it. Good for them. All
0: right. Do you want to get the actual uh, wrestling that's not in an apartment?
1: Sure. I don't know why I buried Misty Blue Sims, but.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Why the side toy for her? She's a fine young lady. For some reason,
1: I think she did porn at some point. Um, I don't know if that's true. But you can lead us in the next topic.
0: Suppose, suppose we shouldn't uh, just uh, assume. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, uh, I cannot confirm uh, nor deny it. But uh, I think I'd watch. I think I'd watch if she was in porn.
1: I wouldn't watch it now because she's like
0: 60. But Well, no, no. I mean, more like in a prime, I was thinking. Yeah. Well, you're into them MILFs. I don't know. Uh, I, I take that back. She's, she's got 80s hair. Oh, she's, That's just a, she's, a turn off. Misty yeah. Blue
1: Sims is very much an 80s lady. There's no yeah, I
0: turned. There was one picture where I went, okay, yeah, and then uh, as I've seen more, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna back out of that. Sorry.
1: Uh, Wikipedia does not say she did porn. Who's the one who did? Maybe it wasn't her.
0: Uh, <laughs> I apologize to Misty. I think you should just list every woman wrestler, and then we can figure out uh, if they did. You porn You know who would
1: know the answer to this is Chris Zellner, and I'm gonna ask him when this show is over. Okay. Who the '80s wrestler was who also dabbled in porn? Why don't I just do it right now? Now listen, I, there, yeah, yeah, maybe he'll have the answer for us while we're on the air. That's that's a good idea. But there was, there's probably many who did it under assumed names <laughs> or whatnot. I mean, and we know that there's men who do. Uh, there's a lot of indie wrestlers who do like that. Uh, uh those, those gay videos with the like, yeah, the yeah, gay grappling, and they do it under assumed names. Uh, so there's a lot of that going on, but I'm talking hardcore porn. I know there was a female wrestler in the 80s who was somewhat famous, but it, it killed her mainstream career. Like she didn't get work in any of the territories anymore
0: once she did. Okay, So who's the 80s female wrestler that did hardcore porn?
1: Yes, I'm pretty sure it was hardcore porn. Yeah.
0: OK. OK. It has been sent to him topic. We need to hit the bottom to uh, get to the bottom of Chris Zellner. Who was the 80s wrestler that did hardcore porn? I should have You're probably said female. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Let's uh, let's let's. Oh, female. OK, who's the 80s female wrestler that did hardcore porn? So I will uh, check back uh, intermediately to find out if we get an answer to that, which I assume we will get very quickly because that, um, that man knows what he's doing. So he's uh, like, yes, he is. He has. He won't even need to look it up. He will know it immediately. Once he reads that tweet, he will know it. So that's uh, that's good. Between the Sheets, by the way, it's a fantastic show that he does on the uh, Place to Be Nation. All right, let us get into ex- someone. Exile of, on
1: Bad Street is
0: the. Ex- oh yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Which is your favorite of the two? You have to pick two. You, one's got to go, Joe. Well,
1: I got to tell you, I prefer the Exile on Bad Street because I like the uh, history pieces, and not only that, I was a guest on Exile on Bad Street, so of course
0: I'm going <laughs> to. So, gonna... Any opportunity to toot your own horn is uh, no doubt <laughs> going to do it. All right, let's get in the ring, Joe. Let's talk about some real wrestling and talk about corporate restructuring and drafting wrestlers to brands. You know. Real fun stuff like that. All right, so WWE Draft. What, did you watch the show? I did. Okay, what would you think of the draft and the presentation and the show and everything that, that came with it before we get down to the, the nitty-gritty of uh, where everybody ended up?
1: I have to tell you, I'm playing catch-up, and I explained this to you earlier in the day, but it was very—
0: oh, oh, Chris says there was more than one. We got it like, how do we— See, I
1: had a feeling there would be
0: we got to like we got to slim this down to something like who, who like
1: uh, let me phrase it hold on i'll i'll, I'll send it to him wall
0: okay please do so it.
1: um uh, like i explained to you earlier today i i was very naive i didn't think the draft was going to cause this much of a stir that it did and in hindsight that was stupid so i didn't really pay that close attention i kind of just treated it for what it was and i thought it was just a silly show with these people calling out names and Um, But I didn't realize the level of analysis that was going to go into it uh, throughout the day and night. And I didn't get on Twitter today until very late to see all the the commotion. So I'm kind of playing catch up with the analysis. I'm not even sure who's on each show. I'm looking at a list now, obviously. But uh, none of it really wound me up. Now, I got to tell you, I know people are upset because they seem to have this idea that SmackDown was going to be the work-rate show and it didn't really work out like that. And um, there seems to be very – lack of balance. It seems like Raw really got the better end of it, at least from what I'm gathering. I don't know how, I have no idea how you feel about that. Um, and, but, but I thought there were a couple cool little storylines that came out of it. I thought the whole Kevin Owens thing being annoyed at his draft position was interesting. Um, and I think the Heath Slater thing is very interesting where he wasn't drafted at all. And they're kind of doing this little storyline here where he can pop up anywhere. Now, we've seen this company do that before with CM Punk and some others, and it never really uh, comes to fruition at the end of the day. But I think it would be a lot of fun if Heath Slater popped up in the safe places like Evolve, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. NXT, you know what I mean? Like the places where it's OK for him to pop up, uh, like, a, like a full impact pro or something, you know what I mean? That'd be a lot of fun. I'm a big fan of Heath Slater. I know you are, too. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, I, I guess we can do a deeper dive. You probably have the more compelling thoughts as far as how the rosters were split
0: those sorts <laughs> you'd be, of things. You'd so. be very surprised. Yeah, it's, for me, like, I was watching the draft. I watched most of it. Uh, not a very good show to watch. Like I, I kind of wish I had just skipped it and what, and just like looked at the reviews or, or rather looked at uh, where everybody ended up. Cause the show itself was pretty painful to try to watch live. And my phone just wouldn't stop because I have like WWE. That was like every single time there was a pick made the thing would, uh, the up, app would update or whatever. it was kind of a mess in that standpoint. But I, I get that people enjoyed it. And I understand that people are really way into this and, and whatnot for me, it, I, I have trouble getting super passionate about it because we know that these rosters aren't set in, like, we know this, this isn't it like this that, okay, these are your rosters, this is your roster forever, Like these guys are never going to interact, guys are going to move, guys are going to bounce, things are going to happen until they kind of get it right. But I I do have some thoughts a little bit, but I I think maybe what we should do, uh, and then maybe you and I can both kind of give our thoughts, let's run down, uh, thankfully somebody on our uh, our forums, and I I, I can't recall who I copied and pasted it onto our our doc, so uh, I'm sorry if I forgot who you were on our forums, which, by the way, has had a a lot of really good discussion about the brand split and the draft and whatnot, Uh, did a really good job of, of sort of breaking down each brand in terms of, different pockets of like male singles wrestlers, tag team wrestlers, women's wrestlers. This helps us, I think, in a way, kind of get an idea of, okay, who won this? Who's got this? Who who has that? So I'm going to run that down, and and then we'll kind of give our reactions to each little brand um, and each little brand's pocket as well. So let's start with Raw, uh, the male singles wrestlers from Raw. Um, You start with Seth Rollins, of course, uh, Roman Reigns, Finn Balor, Brock Lesnar, Sami Zayn, Chris Jericho, Rusev, Neville, Kevin Owens, Big Show, Cesaro, Sheamus, Titus O'Neil, Darren Young, Sinkara, Swagger, Henry, Braun Strowman, Dallas, uh, Bo Dallas, rather, and then uh, Curtis Axel. Yeah. I, Initial thoughts.
1: I mean, I think the, that the Raw side uh, definitely has the potential for the better matches, which is interesting. Um, and and, and I, I, I think that it's, it's very clear that Vince's fingerprints are here when you see picks like Strowman, who I think at some point he really wants to get behind. Um, you've still got Roman reigns on this brand who I don't, you know, despite, you know, this idea that Vince is, uh, losing faith in him. I think that's going to dissipate quickly and they're going to get right back behind him. Um, it's interesting that they bothered to draft Lesnar. I when's he ever just going to appear on a single
0: brand show? Very rarely. Right. Yeah, I found it kind of weird. And I think one of the things when people look at Raw and go, oh my God, Raw is so much better, is like you pretty much just scratch out Brock Lesnar. Like he's pretty much a non-factor on that. And I would have liked the idea of them not really drafting him and him just being a free agent, just a freelance guy that can go to either brand. Like he almost seems like he's above. Uh, this sort of uh, you, you know the drafter like he, he's above that in this you know universe so i don't yeah i, I thought it was kind of weird that he got drafted and is specific to a, a, a one brand I, I thought that was kind of odd how about this
1: and i think larry made a great point on our board concerning this um you know on on the surface it looks like i think smackdown is the better drawing brand for the road i mean number one you've got cena and he made an excellent point. SmackDown also has Ambrose, who, as we know, you know, outdrew the Roman Reigns tours head-to-head, even though Reigns was the A-tour. And then you also have AJ Styles on SmackDown. So you've got Cena, Ambrose, and Styles, and they're really going up against Seth Rollins, Roman Reigns, and who? Who's the number three guy to draw on the road on the Raw side? You would think they're going to give Balor a big push, but he's unproven to this point. Lesnar, non-entity. And then who is there? I'm going to tell you who they probably think the number three is. Big Show. He headlines a lot on the road.
0: You would hope that like a Rusev or a Cesaro or whatever, or maybe a Kevin Owens. But I I don't know. It's those guys are weird. I I don't know what they think of them right now, to be honest. I really don't. And that's one of the issues that I come with at that Ross side is that. And I think the big difference – and maybe – do you want to go over the SmackDown uh, mails yeah, real quick? Yeah, run them down real quick. I think it's good to have a juxtaposition of the two to kind of get an idea. So anyway, the SmackDown Live um, – SmackDown Live, sorry. We have to say that every single time now because uh, it's, it's not SmackDown, Joe. It's SmackDown Live. Uh, Dean Ambrose, AJ Styles, John Cena, Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt, The Miz, Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler. Thank God those guys are on the same. (laughs) I would not want those guys to get split up in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Alberto Del Rio, Kane, Kalisto, Zack Ryder, Apollo Crews, Eric Rowan, and Mojo Rowley. You
1: know, and I sold SmackDown short because then you have secondary draws with Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton who have headlined um, house show tours at times as well. And and you know you can throw Kane in there too if you're gonna throw Big Show in there you got to throw in Kane, but my point is SmackDown is a lot deeper in draws and they have the number one draw, and arguably the number two draw. Okay, the Raw side you have Rollins reigns and who? I mean I thought that was a little a little odd and a little um, a little bit of lack of balance there. The problem with the SmackDown side is who are guys like Styles and Cena
0: gonna wrestle if you want to see good matches? I mean it's a cliff. it, it, it really that brand. Falls off a cliff after like honestly like I'll, I'll throw the miz in there after the miz that is a dumpster fire there
1: you've got apollo cruz who hasn't proven a thing yet on the main roster uh callisto's okay um Alberto del rio does nothing for me and i know he does nothing for you ziggler is still a guy that i like more than most but i'm hardly in love with him I, with 2016 ziggler
0: and the crowd's done with him too you know what i mean like th- that whole Thing the whole Dolph Ziggler thing is kind of it's been beaten out of everybody. Absolutely, Nobody
1: absolutely. And then uh you know you, you know Orton might be the number three guy. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, you know. We haven't talked tag teams. SmackDown does have American Alpha, and they'll have really good matches with the Usos. And I like the Vaude Villains as a working team too. So there's that. Now here's the question I have for you. Um, titles as they stand now, that doesn't really mean anything because the titles can change on Sunday at Battleground. Correct. So we really can't evaluate that until after Battleground and we see where the dust settles. But here's a thing that was a little surprising to me and probably shouldn't have been, but it was surprising anyway. There's women on both shows. Now, I kind of get why. I think some people would probably complain if all the women were on one show and there was no women on the other show. So I kind of get it. But at the same time, um, you're kind of like splitting the bill there, and I don't know if that's fair to them uh, when it's not the deepest division to begin with. And then here's the other thing. Are they going to have two women's titles? Because if you don't have a women's title on whichever show doesn't have Charlotte, which I believe is SmackDown.
0: a SmackDown, yeah, because she's on Raw.
1: Then what are those women... Fi- What's their motivation? What are we watching them fight for? What's the ultimate end game? What's the goal? This fucking company is going to roll out two tag team titles... Two women's titles.
0: Oh, we know it. And people are saying, oh, no, no. They're, they said they're going to they, – that lasted how long in the actual initial draft? Because the initial draft was that, where no, 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 this is – and then within you know a month, there was 10 titles hanging around that company.
1: And they did all of this work to create this WWE Women's Championship with all this prestige. They did a great job at WrestleMania, renaming the title, dropping the awful Divas designation, making it feel important. Charlotte's like the third overall pick or whatever it was in the draft. And now what are they going to do? They're probably going to sully all of that by introducing a second women's title on the SmackDown brand. And then here's the thing, too. There's no way to introduce that title without either undercutting the WWE women's title or uh, or, div- or, or or presenting the SmackDown women's title as something that's secondary. Because there's no way. Because what are you going to call it? They don't want to bring back the Diva name. Last time they had the women's title and the Divas title. It was It was easy. But what are you going to do now? you Are going to call it the SmackDown women's title? That automatically is going to have a connotation that it's not as important as the WWE women's title. So you're not only going to have two women's titles. You're going to have one that nobody cares about because they're going to view it as inferior. And to me, that's moving backwards. They had finally made progress. They had one title. They've made it important. And now we're going backwards again.
0: And it's really, I think, one of the things that I always get with is—is is, is this current? You said you know it's not super deep, and it's not. I mean, there's only I think you know twelve or, or whatever that are on both of these brands. I, th- I think if you count it out, but when you put those twelve together, it's a fairly solid group uh, of women. I mean, you—you you, of course you have Becky, uh, Natalia. You bring up Alexa Bliss; she joins the fray. Uh, you got Charlotte, you know Sasha Banks. Nia Jax comes up. Paige, you know some like uh, Dana Brooke. You can throw in there too. Like they have a decent amount of people that that could uh, easily sustain. On one brand, but when you split them up and you look at this, and I guess this is a good opportunity to kind of break down these two. These are these are dire divisions now. These are just they they did not have enough to have. I mean, they have you know seven on one. I think six on the other brand, it, but, but look, the rough females. So you have Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Nia Jax, Paige, Summer Rae, Alicia Fox, Dana Brooke. Okay, so what, that is not sustainable.
1: So what you can do here is have a Charlotte Sasha Banks feud finally, um, and, and Banks will probably win the title, and that's great. But then where do you go from there?
0: Right, that's what I mean. Like then Alicia Fox, uh, like you know, like what what do you?
1: Nia Jax is someone who they they like, obviously, for because she's different. Um, you know, Paige is serviceable. Summer Rae. I think she's terrible. I know there's people who think she's good. I've never seen a thing. Summer Rae comes off to me like a baby deer on ice. That's how she comes off to me. She looks like a new. She moves like a newborn giraffe. I mean, I just, I, I don't get the Summer ray thing. Um, Alicia Fox is, is okay. She's good. Um, and Dana Brooke, you know, she's got some potential more as a character than a wrestler. Maybe she can develop as a wrestler. I don't think she's awful or anything like that. But yeah, it, you really fall off a cliff after Charlotte and Sasha Banks. Particularly <laughs> if some of these people don't develop. If your Nia Jax and your Dana Brooks don't develop, you know, and, and and I think the SmackDown side is atrocious.
0: I think I was about to say that's why I was laughing about it where I said you, you know, you want to talk fall off a cliff. Becky Lynch, Natalia, Naomi, Alexa Bliss, Eva Marie and Carmella. Okay, so Becky Lynch and Natalia they're, they're feuding right now. They're both very good, obviously.
1: You know, but from there, Naomi just has struggled to improve. I mean she's got all the potential in the world. Tremendous athlete. She's just struggled to improve. And, and you know, there's going to be someone very similar coming up the pike who wrestles a very similar style to her yeah. with Ember Moon coming up who's probably going to outshine her if she doesn't improve quickly because they wrestle a very similar style. Um, and they have a very similar body type, everything. So, and Alexa Bliss, she's got some potential, okay? Eva Marie and Carmella, and I'm going to be as polite as possible. I believe that Eva Marie and Carmella, you can make the argument, they're two of the worst contracted wrestlers this company has ever employed. And I, I think both of them are hopeless. That's how bad I think. They're, I think they're hopeless. Um, you know, I think Eva Marie would make a tremendous manager.
0: Absolutely. Oh, 100%. Yeah. She
1: gets heat. Um, You know, she's naturally unlikable. She'd make a great heel manager. I think Carmella has a good personality and understands the wrestling business and works hard. They just aren't wrestlers and they never will be. They're two of the worst people this company has ever employed that weren't giants. And I'll tell you, they're probably worse than a lot of the giants.
0: Yeah. I was going with them, I've always gotten this, especially with Carmella. It's, you can sort of see when someone has some sort of potential, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're not polished. You're not great. Like Dana Brooke is a good example where she looks, you know, she's unpolished. She still has she's very rough around the edges. But you can tell that there's something there that, that OK, you have athletic ability. You have something that we can sort of build on and work towards and work on and and, and refine and do. I have never once ever when I've seen even Maria Carmella in the ring and went, yes, OK, They've improved in that. This is a thing that they can do. Like, nothing. Like, zero. Like, they look like they have no... And, and that's it. I mean, it, it's honestly... And people will... will You know, of course, we've had arguments about this before. You have to be athletic to be a wrestler. It, it's... You know, you can tell me all you want about, oh, it's not a lot... Most of these wrestlers that you see, most of the great wrestlers you see, you have amateur wrestling backgrounds, we're great athletes, we're star football players, star basketball, like, that sort of stuff. You have, though, and, and, and you just... I don't know if you get that with either of those. They just don't have any athletic traits. And I think Car- Carmella has a background in some sort of sports, right? I, I don't recall what she did, but I could be wrong. I, it, it's whatever it is. It, she probably wasn't very good at that either because it's just you don't... You, you just can't see anything. Oh she, oh, she did cheerleading and dance and stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, At yeah. least
1: it was athletic. Um, but I mean, she just... I don't know. I mean, I, I hate being mean to her because I, I, I'm not against her. But she's look, if someone's not
0: great, another great manager, like you say, there's nothing wrong with being a really awesome manager. And I think even Marie could be awesome. I, I think Carmella would be an, a nice asset. But, yeah, I think having them come and continue getting the ring. And and the problem with that is, OK, yes, while they're in NXT, they can you can sort of take it for, you know, hey OK, they're not great. They're working on that. They are one of six or two of six, two of six on SmackDown. If you take those two out, you have Becky, Natalia, Naomi, and Alexa Bliss. And like let's be honest about Alexa Bliss, like I like her. I think she's solid again. That's another one where you look at and you look at a bunch of potential, but is she ready to be the fourth best woman on an entire TV show? She better be. I mean, she has to. That's but, the but I, And then Naomi, but I Naomi has to be the third? Like, wow, my god. Like that's not good at all. What are you doing?
1: I think Alexa Bliss and Dana Brooke both have potential to Oh, I agree. Yeah. to turn into something. I really do. Um Dana Brooke reminds me in a lot of ways there's a lot of comparisons to be made to Trish Stratus in my opinion. Uh, similar backgrounds, both equally awful at, at the same stage, and Trish Stratus ended up being pretty damn good. So at least there's a comp. Um, and Alexa Bliss has shown signs, especially in the latter stages. And Alexa Bliss is another one. It, 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 again, if she doesn't work out as a wrestler, I mean she, she could be a tremendous manager. I mean she's already a tremendous manager, especially as a heel. I mean, she did a great job as a heel manager. She outshined that tag team a million times over, you know, to the same degree that, you know, Maria outshines Mike Bennett, you know, so she's, Alexa Bliss, she clearly belongs in the wrestling business. She's doing a nice job and she's on a good path. Um, And then of course, you know, what I did like about the draft too was they didn't draft the injured people or the people that are inactive, which is good because you can sprinkle these people in as surprises when they're ready to come back. You know, you won't expect them. You can insert somebody into a feud. You could start a new feud. So on the women's side, you've got the Bellas. Both of their futures in question. But we expect – I think Nikki is expected to come back at least, right? Who knows with Bree. Uh, She might want to just play in the garden with Daniel Bryan. But then again, Daniel Bryan is pretty much back in the
0: (laughs) – He decided to stop playing with the rhubarb and and get back in the business as well. So, yeah, I don't think – I don't know.
1: Emma could give an instant jolt uh, to one of them. Um, Sure. You know, know, Emma is – Nothing wrong with Emma. Tremendous worker there on the female side. And then Rosa Mendez is utterly useless. I apologize to Eva Marie and Carmela because Rosa Mendez. <laughs> yeah. That's... I mean because she's, she's 100 – she's 1,000 percent utterly useless. She provides no value in any capacity whatsoever. And she is without question – the worst person they've ever employed in this company. There's nobody worse because she's not good at anything. And she's gotten a million chances and she does nothing but constantly fail. And then Tamina too. So, you know, those are the the, the females who were undrafted.
0: Yeah, I, I'm of the mindset, and I, I think you sort of agree as well, that, yeah, it wouldn't be... I, I get that people would be upset if you had all of the women on the same roster or whatever, or if you had... People mention this for the tag teams, too, which we'll get to in a sec, where maybe you have one brand where, like, all the big sort of tag-teamy tag teams are on, and that show has those titles, and that's a tag team. And then I'm okay with that. I don't know about you, but I'm okay with the segmentation of those sort of things, of... of, And I guess we'll get to that when we, when we talk about our overall thoughts on this draft, is I, I just don't think that... By splitting all these things up and having them be – there's no – no brand has any identity. What is the identity of Raw after this? Like what – how did Raw alter or change after this show?
1: Yeah, I think that's what people were expecting and no, there is no identity on either show.
0: It's just two different – it's split. It is legitimately a split of the two rosters and that's it. Like, there is nothing else that changed. SmackDown has, is now called SmackDown Live, and, and you got some, you know, Daniel Bryan is a part of it, and you know, you got Shane McMahon and McFly, and like, but otherwise, it is just the roster splitting. It is exactly as they said it would be, and that's it.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's they almost would have been better served. One decision that I really don't understand is doing the cruiserweight division on Raw. Um, that's really something that could have set SmackDown apart. It would have been much better served on SmackDown. Especially if they were going to make SmackDown your quote-unquote wrestling show, your work rate show, which they ultimately didn't end up doing. But that would have been the best fit you know, to put your, your keyword you – know, just throw Cesaro and Owens and Zayn and a few of those guys over onto the SmackDown side and put your Canes and your Baron Corbins and your Alberto Del Rios on the Raw side and then put the Cruiserweights on the SmackDown side. And then you've got a show with an identity. And they sort of did that during the last – if you remember SmackDown – uh, during the Paul Heyman era, was was the wrestling show and Raw right. was the the entertainment show. Um, so they, those they, they, those the shows had clear identities in those days. But you're right; these two shows have no identity whatsoever, and it's a shame that they're going to have double that they're going to double up on the titles too. I mean, that's right.
0: Just, um, it's it's not great. Yeah, let's look at the tag teams here real quick, and then we'll move on to um, another topic. Uh, the New Day. Uh, This is on Raw, rather. uh, Raw Tag Team, sorry. Uh, The New Day, Enzo and Cass, Gallows and Anderson, Golden Truth, The Dudley Boys, and The Shining Stars, who I completely forgot existed.
1: Yeah, so, I I mean, for now, that side has the titles. So Raw has the Tag Team titles, the uh, United States title with Rusev, the women's title. Um, What side is the Intercontinental title on?
0: The Miz. So that's Raw, too. uh,
1: or is it SmackDown?
0: Oh uh, wait, no. The Miz is no, he's SmackDown. Sorry.
1: So the Intercontinental titles on SmackDown, the World titles on SmackDown. They have five titles, right?
0: Correct. All right. Yeah.
1: Um. So yeah, the tag team titles are on the Raw side for now. Uh, I think they did a decent job splitting up the tag teams. I think it's fairly balanced. I don't really have a problem with. The
0: uh i the smackdown's pretty terrible i mean you have american alpha uh coming up from nxt and they become i think your de facto i guess number one or one a uh, the usos are also on smackdown uh the ascension brisango and the vaud villains
1: i think the smackdown side's a better working side
0: i agree it's a better working side but what like what uh, again you talk about stakes what are those guys fighting for? Why? Why is American Alpha going to fight the Ascension?
1: You're going to have the WWE tag team championships to fight over very <laughs> but soon. But
0: like, again, like this, this is another thing where I would have just been so much happier. And I think I, I honestly don't see a huge downside to it of having whatever brand it is, whichever brand you choose. They have all the tag teams. They have a lot of the tag. I know that you probably can't do both things, and you can't have the women's and the tag. But like, I just look at that and I, I, I say it just would have been that that it looks it's a really good tag team roster again if all those guys are together but it just doesn't work i think split like i, I just that smackdown side i look at and while i enjoy the work of it with with alpha uh the usos who will get a little time to shine uh and the vaude villains of course i i like all three of those teams but you you're gonna get sick of those five facing each other right like well you got how many remember, times are the usos and the vaude villains gonna face each other true, and you're not gonna but
1: they're gonna make teams uh you gotta remember smackdown has mojo and uh and what's his name as well, right? Uh, right, Zack Yeah. So you got those two geeks. You got that tag team, and you know you've got the Wyatt. You got Wyatt and Rowan. You can. You're not restricted strictly to the tag teams. You can make tag teams out of your singles guys too. But I get your point. Um, but I think Raw got the teams that are that are more over. Because you've got New Day, obviously, which is arguably the most overact on the whole fucking roster. Enzo and Cass are super over. The club is doing a nice job getting themselves over. So you've got those three teams. And I would argue that those three teams might be over more than any of the teams on SmackDown. You know, American Alpha, we don't know yet. I was surprised. Were you surprised at the reactions some of the NXT names got? I was shocked.
0: Good shocked or bad shocked?
1: I was shocked that they got such good reactions.
0: Yeah, it's it's a testament to it's a testament to WWE and how they've built them up and made them like legit stars and they don't feel like you've seen them a bunch and they feel like unique and different and and because i look at american alpha and, and and they were ones that got huge pops and people were excited about them and i'm excited and i look at that smackdown and i go oh like i i think it's just a testament to them not being overexposed to them not just being you know shit on like the rest of this roster just constantly gets shit on and constantly goes to this hamster wheel like those guys are different and unique and they come in here as stars like it's it's I, i'm not shocked i really am not
1: But what I'm shocked is it tells me that people are actually watching and paying attention to NXT Mm -hmm. now. And I wonder where that changed because there was clearly a time where they would bring people onto the main roster from NXT expecting the fans to know who they were and the fans had no fucking clue.
0: Right. Your Emma, your Adam Roses, those sort of – yeah.
1: Right. So The
0: Ascension when they first came.
1: At some point, something changed. When do you think that was? Do you think it's the – Takeover events that are piggybacking WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Do you think that – because those obviously – you're going to have uh, fans who might not normally pay attention to NXT week to week. It's impossible for them not to know that those events are happening.
0: Yeah, I do think Dallas helped a lot. I really do because I I can tell a a distinct difference in people – uh, you know, discussing it after Dallas, because that was one that you just couldn't escape. And there were so many like big time matches and you had the Nakamura Zayn that everybody put over. And like you almost couldn't escape that show. Uh, and I think it might just be like a little, you know, time over time. As more people adopt the WWE Network and, and sort of watch it and, 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 and consume the stuff on the WWE Network, it's hard to really avoid NXT. There's a lot of times where it's there. Um, they've done a good job, I think, on main roster WWE as well of mentioning NXT. Because you remember there was a while where they wouldn't say a thing about NXT. There was a big TakeOver special coming on and you wouldn't hear about it on Raw you had no idea. We would preview it on the show and we'd have people going, oh my God, I didn't know it was this week. You, It, it doesn't really happen like that anymore. They play the commercials during uh, you know, segments. They, they talk about it or whatever. So I think there has been a lot of people that have kind of carried over and watched it. And I guess it, uh, a testament too is that guys like a Finn Balor have sort of established that brand as something that's not just developmental. And I think that Always will help it, where people will watch it if they know that it's not just the minor leagues. Because NXT isn't the minor leagues anymore. I mean, there are aspects of that, but it, it, it's it's a third brand at this point. It's been for you know probably a half a year or a year at this point has been a le- legit third brand that you really just can't ignore if you if you're you know watching wrestling.
1: Rich, it was the end of the beginning of the end. Of course, it's not minor league anymore. It's uh, I don't know what changed since it was the end of the beginning of the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, I I think you're probably right. I think Dallas was probably the turning point there because uh, I was I was legitimately shocked. I was actually worried that they would announce some of these NXT stars as draft picks and they would get completely flat react, just total non reactions. And it would be embarrassing. But uh, I knew Baller would get a big reaction. But American Alpha, I was stunned at the crowd pop. Uh, for American Alpha. I really was. So I love
0: those guys. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the, the game has changed. I think, I think your common WWE fan is well in tune with NXT now. All
0: right. Any other thoughts on the draft before we move on?
1: No, but I will take back my apology to Misty Blue Sims because according to Chris Zellner, she did do porn. Oh, OK. Before she was a known wrestler along with Kat LaRue. Um, those, neither of those are the name that I've been trying to think of. My next week's show, I'm going to come up with the wrestling, the female wrestler. <laughs>
0: going to really spend your time. Let's see, uh, Kat LaRue, let's see if I would watch a porn with her. Uh, yes, I would. Is she not an 80s lady? She's got to be an 80s lady. Uh, a little bit better. I, I wouldn't say full on, like... I mean, the hair is, it's 80s, but no, I, 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 I'm I in. I'm into it, I think. I gotta tell you, Misty Blue Sims
1: is in one of the worst matches on the WWE Network. It's on one of the AWA Super Shows. It's a women's battle royal where they have to strip each other down to be eliminated.
0: Oh, the AWA Super Clash? Yes. It's, it's awful. It's a terrible match. It's, what is it, the Hollywood, like, oh, they have some, like, obnoxious name about it. And they talk about it, on that Super Clash, they mention it, like, 45 times. Like every segment is oh coming up soon is the what the hell and is there that there are one? some
1: cringe promos uh, from
0: Super yes yes Super Clash three correct I, I fr- I'm almost forget which, show, which I'm almost positive it is. let me yeah. see what that thing is called um oh the Laundry the battle royal yeah that's right yeah. the Syrian terrorist which <laughs> gimmick I don't think you can do anymore she was the winner uh, the, yes she won the Syrian terrorist
1: now why um, why can't you do it a Syrian terrorist uh so I, I don't serious know about things okay if she was clearly presented as a heel you know what i mean now i get what you're saying you can't do it i know you can't do it but i wish you could what's the big deal just make him a heel and make him lose in the end make them come around and stop being a terrorist after you beat him up who else was that
0: bambi peggy lee leather great name Lori lynn these are the the best 80s wrestling names,
1: I, I bet you a few of these ladies did some porn
0: yeah, I don't know about Peggy Lee Leather, but uh, uh, Lori Lynn, Brandy May, Malibu. I, I'm going to go on a limb and say Malibu definitely did porn. I don't know anything about Malibu, but I'm going to go with porn. Nina. Oh, that's Ivory. Nina's Ivory. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Pocahontas and Luna Vashon. God bless
1: Pocahontas. She tried her hardest to give a good promo on that show. And she oh, and she actually that. was doing a decent job and they cut her off. Because someone was walking to the ring and she looked like so devastated. I felt so bad for her. I would say that anyone that you can't click on cage match, there's a good chance. Porn. Yeah, there's a good chance they did some porn. Um,
0: so the Syrian Terrace then?
1: Maybe. She was your winner. She, she won uh, yeah. the match. She had her Nylon porn. <laughs> yeah.
0: That.
1: Um, I think I'd watch a Cat
0: LaRue porn too. I got to tell you. You're right, right? Not bad. of Of 80s women, like when you talk about relative 80s, you know. Yeah. You gotta take what you can get in the 80s. In the 80s, I, um...
1: everyone looked like shit. Like, I contend that everybody looked like shit from like 1974 till about, I don't know, 1986 or so. Everyone looked like shit. Like, no, men, women, everybody. Everyone looked like fucking hot garbage during that era. It was just a terrible time for fashion. It was a terrible time for hair. It was a terrible time for facial hair for men. Everything about that era was awful uh the
0: clothing the bikinis yeah the, yeah yeah women wore the worst like men and women wore just the worst clothes out like men wore like super tight you know shorts for no reason and then women wore like the the super high pants and like yeah, nothing looked flattering on anybody like the, everybody looked like
1: idiots. like you ever yeah. see the panties in like an 80s skin flick? You know, like <laughs> yes, like yeah. an '80s teen movie, and the girls in the like the panties are even unattractive. How can women with you know decent bodies look terrible in pa- in brown panties? But they do in the '80s because the '80s fucking suck particularly the early 80s, the late 70s, early 80s, terrible time for fashion. I think Cat LaRue kind of breaks the mold a little bit.
0: She's, right, she's, right. She's, yeah. She's, OK, I'm, I'm glad you're seeing my side here. Relatively speaking, I got I got to agree. I got to the hair is not frazzled all that much. It's, you know, it's it, a, a little bit, but, you know, you kind of just got bad. to
1: swallow the hair. You got to accept it, you know, and, and, and you're right. It's not as accept, like the misty blue Sims hair. The last thing you want on an 80s lady on an 80s lady is like the Bobby Eaton haircut. <laughs> right. When they had the Bobby Eaton haircut, which a lot of them did, that's just so unappealing, you know?
0: Including your, your lady this week uh, you were tweeting about, uh, who <laughs> was mentioned in the lawsuit. Uh, why am I blanking on her name right now? The one that was apparently 30 in like 1988 uh, or 1980. Uh, who, who are you tweeting about earlier that oh, Ju- looked exactly Ju- Bobby Eaton? Judy Martin. Ju- Judy Martin, that's it. Yes. She, oh my lord. Now, Judy
1: Martin claims that she's 60. <laughs> now, look, Judy Martin, first of all, was an excellent wrestler. He has a great tag team with Leilani Kai. They feuded with the Jumping Bomb Angels in 1988. Judy Martin was always a solid hand. If she's 60 today, that means in 1988.
0: Which, by the way, do this with me if you go to – if you just look up Judy Martin WWF in uh, Google Images, uh, you can see the, 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 uh, the pictures and you'll see why Joe is about to say what he's about to say.
1: Right. That means that if Judy Mar- – if we're to take her at her word, in 1988, she was 33 years old. <laughs> OK, 33. OK, now you look at those pictures of Judy Martin. There's one, the, the one I put on Twitter where it has like <laughs> yes, her yes. nameplate, WWF. Yes. That's the
0: first one when you look it
1: up. Now, yeah. if you look at that, that's clearly the uh, the font that they used between 1987 and 1989. OK, I know that for a fact. That means in that picture, she was between the ages of 31 and 34, there's no fucking way that's a
0: 33 year old woman. If you had shown me that picture, I would say 46.
1: I would have said 50. Okay. And, if, and I would have said if she was say 46 in her, with a heavy smoking 40s, A very haggard 40s. I'll give you that. <laughs> okay. Someone in her 40s who lived a very hard life. I'll give you that. But she looks like she's 50 years old. Is she not rich? I mean, give me a break. There's no way that this woman's sixty. I'm sorry. I'm not
0: There's right. another one too. Um, I, I, are you looking up? And look this what she's got. No? She
1: got the Bobby Eaton haircut. <laughs> yeah. That's Bobby Eaton's haircut.
0: Are you looking up Judy Martin WWF on Google Images right yes. now? The fifth image. Look at that one. That you can see in the background. You see the old WWF logo. Look at what she looks like in that one. You see, it's like it's got like uh, you know black bars on the side. Oh, the sure, like sure. Backdrop. Sure, yeah. There you go. Again, that's a 33 year old woman.
1: You're right because the, they're WWF turnbuckles. Yeah. And that's right. And the red, white, and blue. And yeah, look, red It's white, the same white. outfit she's wearing in the first picture, the same ring attire, the same like ring jacket. So it's from the same time. There's no shot that that's a thirty-three. There's no way <laughs> she's 60. Now, look, look, that doesn't even necessarily mean I'm because if she is 50 in those pictures, fine, that's what a 50 year old woman looks like. But there's no way she was 33. I'm sorry. I'm not buying it. But this is what you're dealing with in the 80s is our point here. You know, It's a horrible time. That, that's why someone like, you know, a scary Sherry who was trying to look bad actually stood out and looked good compared to some of these other women.
0: <laughs> if you keep scrolling, there's a Glamour Girls. Uh, she was a part of the Glamour Girls, correct?
1: Yeah. Judy Martin. Okay. Kai. Yeah.
0: There is a, a not a great profile picture of her. Um, if you keep scrolling and the same search, you got to go down a little bit. It's probably five or six rows down. I'm I might I might change to 60 in this. I think she's 60 in this. This is
1: what I'm saying. She, I
0: look at her. Look at
1: those like Rich, when I was a kid I thought she was 50.
0: <laughs> that picture. Cuz okay, so you have Leilani Kaya there. I would say Leilani Kaya it's what do you 28 maybe? She
1: looks like a woman in her late 20s, yeah.
0: Yeah, she looks 28 in that yeah. picture. I would I would put her at the 28 with the 80s so you kind of everybody looked like 32 Everyone in the looks 80s. Older. But, just watch yeah, any so.
1: WCW 605 episode. Those people were all in their late 20s and early 30s, and they all look like they're 40. Dennis Condry was like <laughs> 33 years old on those shows, and he, he's another guy who looked 50. Bobby Eaton. When did Bobby Eaton ever look 28 years old? The answer is never, but he was like 28 on those shows. The only person that looked young was Jim Cornette. Magnum T.A. was like in his late 20s. Magnum T.A. always looked 40. We don't have to talk about Arn Anderson. That man was born 40 years old and, by the way, still looks 40 even though – Yeah, he hasn't
0: changed actually. To be fair for him, he has stayed that exact.
1: Arn Anderson and Fedor Milianenko were born 40 and will die 40. Those two men were just born old men. Most Russians actually are born old men and they just die looking exactly the same. It's just – but these 80s people, I mean god, especially that, that WCW show. It's staggering when you watch that show and then look up the the, like the ages that the people were when they were in these matches. It's, It's 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 utterly amazing.
0: All right. What the hell? This is the worst show we've ever done. What are we talking about? All right, Joe, uh, WWE Draft, we have that uh, in the rear view. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Cruiserweight Classic. We're going to preview Battleground here in a little bit. Just to let people know, we're going to talk Super J-Cup, G1 Climax as well, uh, news about Will Ospreay, news about uh, Cody Rhodes, so we'll get to all that. Uh, But we wanted to stick with WWE just for right now, uh, stick with the same company. Uh, Cruiserweight Classic. We have, uh, of course, we're recording this on a Wednesday, so we're not seeing Episode 2. So if you're wondering why we're not talking about Episode 2, that is why we're recording on a Wednesday. So we are not watching it. Joe is not watching it. I am not watching it. We will probably watch it when we're done. But I want to talk a little bit about episode one, a little bit about the Cruiserweight Classic in general and what they're sort of the presentation of it so far. And and what did you like and what did you dislike from episode one?
1: Um, I thought the matches were OK and I really I liked the commentary. I didn't love the
0: commentary. I, I thought Brian was a lot better than I, I I had ever expected him to be. Brian. He was OK.
1: Um. Moro, I like Moro. I've always liked Moro. There's a definite difference in the way he calls this show compared to the way he calls SmackDown, which there should be, and he's smart enough to know that. I know a lot of people don't like how he shoehorns in all the names and all that, but I like that stuff. I, I mark out for those sorts of things. I like that he you know, mentions uh, you know Japanese promotions and Japanese wrestlers. I like that stuff. It doesn't bother me at all because it makes it feel different from everything else WWE. I like when they don't ignore the rest of the wrestling world. That speaks directly to me as a fan. And I think Moro does a good job. But the thing with Moro is I love Moro as a boxing announcer and I love him as an MMA announcer. And a lot of people hate him doing those sports. So I'm just a Moro fan. Um, Brian, I thought was OK. He's very enthusiastic, but I really don't want to judge them until we're about four or five episodes in. That's fair. Uh, because then we'll see when they've settled in, they've both gotten comfortable with their roles and uh, and, and they've both uh, sort of reached a comfort level with each other.
0: What do you think of the presentation of the matches? I I really enjoyed what a, it's just. OK, so you, you get the build up. Of course, you get kind of the Mortal Kombat screen where they talk about the two guys. They you know bring them up. They talk about what countries they're from and that sort of stuff. And then they do those quick little videos. They're 30 seconds to a minute long. The guy says, hey, this is where I'm from and this is why I want to win the tournament. And then boom. And then they're right back they do a handshake which i really enjoyed as well always the handshake and you always get that sort of tension as well which is a very easy way to say hey this guy is good this guy is bad like Hoholun and uh ariana davari like you had davari sort of not really want to do the the handshake and then kind of pull him in and then you instantly had people go okay cool so we got a you know a, a heel face dynamic or at least some el- element of a heel face dynamic one guy that's kind of more of a dick than the other guy that, that's cool that it wasn't over the top that guy is evil this guy wants to kill you and and do all this sort of stuff but it was a nice little subtle touch of like yeah you know i don't really care for this handshake thing it's kind of stupid i just want to win i like that aspect but i also really and this is what i wanted to bring up too i really enjoyed those 30 seconds before the match started of those guys and i understand this is a tournament setting that a lot of people don't know these people and and that you need this sort of thing of cedric alexander telling his story of you know grand metallic you know talking about how he got here and that sort of stuff why couldn't you do this exact same thing on the main roster with guys just a re- just a quick little, the Usos come out and they say, hey, this, you know, we bring them up again because they're a team that a lot of people brought up of like, what is their, I, you know, they've been wrestling in this company for, you know, a decade. And now I have no clue what their motivations are. I have no idea why they're here, what their backgrounds are. Is this something that you could just do where like 30 seconds before and I'm not saying every single week, but just have them sort of recap where they've been, what they're doing and why they want to win this and what and what's going on this week and what they. Th- I don't see why you can't do that every single week with with or, or almost every other week with just about every talent on that roster. I mean, you can, but you know the answer
1: and it's a boring answer. And that's just not Vince McMahon's vision of what wrestling is. Um, he, he doesn't tell his stories in that manner. He doesn't think that that's what people care about. I think the problem is – I think he may have been right at some point. He may have been correct in that in the 80s when people wanted superheroes. They wanted things to be over the top. The problem is – and and Vince has done a great job over the years adapting. I think he adapted well in the Attitude era in changing his product and at other times. I think he's having – he's struggling to adapt now though to the modern climate, to what modern fans – to what would appeal to modern fans. And look, Rich, we've been pounding this drum since the day we started this show. People want reality right now. And you're not getting a ton of that on the main roster and you're getting it with something with the crew. This was as close to a real sports build as you're going to get in this company. And I loved the presentation here, not only because they're doing a real sports build and they've got Mauro Ronaldo treating it as such, but not only that, because it felt so different from everything else that they produce and it, you know it's it's and that's a big thing and and because everything in that company feels the same we just went over why the draft looks to be on on surface to be a failure because they've created nothing different between the two brands but here the Cruiserweight Classic is just so different and honestly i was expecting it to just be Cruiserweight matches in an NXT ring in front of NXT fans, and I was going to be happy with that. But it's completely separate from NXT. They've done a great job dividing it. It's not associated with NXT at all. They don't mention NXT. There's no NXT branding. The only thing that – if you didn't know any better and didn't know it was held in the same building, what would be the connection to NXT? There would be none.
0: There's not. And that it's exactly what my next point was going to be is that I like the idea that they did different camera shots. There were shots that you don't see on NXT that you don't see on WWE that were different to this. You didn't have the ramp. You had, the, you know, them coming from the floor and coming from just like kind of a curtain with a little bit of, you know, there was, it was a little bit of a rig that they had, but it wasn't it didn't look like the NXT ramp, which, again, I thought that that's what we were going to get. They had a really cool shot where they would start the uh, the ground and kind of go around the, the the barricade and have the guy enter. From that way, I don't know, you, you probably saw that shot a bunch of times, and people probably, I, I tend to notice this stuff a little bit more, but it was just subtle stuff that they, it was, it was, I, I enjoyed that, because it just looked and felt different, like, I, I, I honestly thought I was gonna watch, like you said, I was gonna watch NXT, but it was gonna be purple, and they would have CWC instead of, you know, NXT, and it wasn't at all, it felt like a completely different, it, it felt completely divided, completely different from anything they produce, and that's so... I think so important. And so it makes it fresh where I can, in the same week, watch NXT and watch the cruiserweight classic and not feel like I'm being drained or whatever. Whereas a lot of people can't do that with Raw and Smackdown because it's like everything just kind of seems the same. One is blue and one is red. Like I, I this was different. This wasn't that. And I, I enjoyed it. The, the, the pre-match promos I thought were just, uh, again, I'm going to beat that drum until, you know, until cause it's just, it's so perfect. Cause you get in 30 seconds, you know that, you know, that guy's life story, how he got here, where he's from, where his wrestling history has come from and why he wants to win this tournament in 30 seconds done. And these guys, and and it's not, I don't think these are scripted promos either. I'm sure Cedric Alexander, they didn't tell him. Yeah. Say, say you're from Charlotte and you want to be on the same, you know, level as Ric Flair or whatever. Like that's, these guys legitimately saying. So they got 30 seconds to kind of say whatever the hell they wanted. And by golly, unbelievably shocking. They were able to talk about themselves and why they're motivated. end like it's not hard red wrestling is really easy you know it really is and this is a testament to it alejandro saez i've never i i know nothing about the guy in 30 seconds i knew about him and i said ah this guy's kind of cool and i watched the match and i enjoyed him and i said wow i kind of like this guy i want to watch more about him right that's it he got over people cared about him
1: whereas if you just sent him to the ring and he did a four minute job to mascara dorada
0: yeah, and, and the announcers are laughing at him and talking about how he tried to lose weight. No, he was fat and Jerry Lawler, you know, making jokes about donuts or whatever like that. That's what they would have done instead. But instead they said, hey, wow, he lost weight to get into this tournament because he cares it so much. It would have
1: been guacamole and, do- and, and taco jokes. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, right. And, and, instead, and, and then. Chile, but that's all right. That's I'm Jerry Lawler. And then but. when
1: they cut the guy and then when the guy lost, it would be, you know, Lawler would laugh at him and, and talk about how we're never going to see him again and he needs to go back to Chile. And you know how it would be. You know, and and they wouldn't take them seriously, and and uh, interesting, we didn't bring it up, but Lawler seems to have gotten the boot from TV. How about that?
0: He has, yeah, which thank God, <laughs> long long overdue, long overdue. So I guess he's going to have a presence on the network. Uh, you know, he'll do those pre shows. He, he he's they they've been sticking him there for a while too on pay per views that that sort of pre show. He looks like he would rather be anywhere else in the world. So I do wonder if maybe they'll get to a point where he just kind of exists there and doesn't really. He's not on screen because, like, do it. Like, honestly, how motivated is going to be every single week to, or every single month or whatever? Well, God, tw- twice a month now to go onto those shows and and, and just y- ramble on about nonsense. I, I don't know. Maybe he is. I, I he seems to look like he doesn't want to be there ever. He's so. been garbage
1: for a long time, and nobody watches those pre shows. I mean, they're trash. Uh, there's no there's no value in the pre shows other than watching Lita be unable to form a sentence and and Booker T just be the nicest guy in the world, but be unable to form a sentence. You know what I mean? It's just that they're tripping over their own words. And you know, that draft show they did with Renee Young at the desk, three hours of, I watched all that too, by the way, of Renee Young sitting at a desk with Booker T and Lita and, uh, and, and Corey Graves. And how bad, did you watch any of that rich? I did not No. You cannot have like a draft breakdown show in the WWE environment because they just praise everything. So if every pick is the greatest pick ever, then what's the point of the analysis? Every time someone got picked, you know, the reaction was, oh, this is a tremendous pick. (laughs) Stephanie McMahon knows what she's doing. This This guy's a great athlete. Oh, this girl can really wrestle. Oh, this person has unlimited potential. Then what's the point? You're just putting everybody over. I mean, it was it was the most brain dead three hours, and I sat there and watched it like a complete goof. But uh, but yeah, so you know you can you, you'll send Lawler away to Leto Land where no one will have to hear from him anymore, and and that's a good thing to get him off of TV. But yeah, uh, the presentation, like you said, I thought it was great because it's so different. Plus, it speaks right to us because it's like the real sport thing, and it speaks right to our sensibilities, and. This was the kind of thing that I was calling for when they rolled out the network three years ago or whatever it was. Now that you have your own network, you can do shows that appeal to everyone. You can have a show that appeals to the hardcore old school wrestling fan, the kind of person that listens to this show that wants a real sport build and wants no nonsense, you know, whatever, pro style wrestling. You could have a show like that. And that's kind of what the Cruiserweight Classic is. You know what I mean? You could have kids shows that are just strictly for children. And I know they've dabbled in that. You can have, you can do all sorts of different, you have unlimited uh, time to air these things now. You know, And it was very frustrating that they just had this narrow vision that everything has to be for the same core mark. It doesn't have to be that way. You can do things that appeal to everybody. And I think this is a step in that direction where they're doing a show that appeals to fans like us. And I think that's great. You know, and, 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 and as long as Vince McMahon's fingerprints stay off of this show, I think it's only going to get better and it's only going to improve if they continue to do them, whether it's with cruiserweights or the rumor that they're going to do a women's one, which I think is a great idea, or, or whether they'll do both of them and do one of them, you know, do two of them a year, one with the women and one with the cruiserweights with these undiscovered talents or whatever. Uh, I think it's a tremendous idea. I think it's something different to be able to sink your teeth into.
0: Yeah, as I was watching it, I said that this is something where I would every three months, just what like whenever you're going to schedule it around those tryout camps or whatever too. like have guys, you have a heavyweight one. I don't know what the hell you branded or call it or whatever, but it's just such a great way to, to, to get some background on these guys. You see these guys in person and I'm, you know, we, we know of course, and we'll we'll talk, probably talk about a little bit later uh, in terms of guys that have gotten, you know, some feelers out to them or guys that have flat out gotten contracts already. But you look at, you watch the show and I watched that episode one and I saw Cedric Alexander. I saw the reaction he got. I saw him get in the ring and I said, that's a guy that they'd be silly to let him leave, and I don't. They're probably not going to. They're gonna. And again, you look at that, and 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 that is such a benefit for all parties involved because WWE can invite these guys. And if it's a guy like Alejandro Saez or whatever, he's not going to get signed. But he's going to be willing to do it because that's awesome. That's a great opportunity for him. They see, you know, they get to bring him in. They get to talk about how global they are. They get to you know, sort of talk, hey, this guy from Chile came in. And and I'm sure they're getting tons of coverage in Chile. Or I'm sure in Hong Kong, Hojolone is getting uh, a lot of coverage. It, that is an awesome thing, too, of making it sort of global in that sense, which is great. So you have those guys come in. They don't care. They, uh, they don't care if they're going to win or lose or what. I mean, this is the biggest opportunity a lot of these guys have ever had. You lose nothing by having them come in. Lose a match. you They're not an embarrassment. It's on—it's taped so you can, you know, if, if it's a really awful match, you can clip it and do whatever and say, oh, thank you for your time, man, but, but get the hell out of here. Or you just get these guys and see what they're made of, and, and you sign them and you go, okay, great. Cedric Alexander, you're awesome. Cool. Welcome. You're, you're in. Because like, it, it's such a different atmosphere to see them in front of a crowd and see how a crowd reacts to them versus bringing them in for a tryout at the at the you know the performance center or whatever. You don't, get, you don't get the same vibe there. You got within seconds of Cedric Alexander coming out there, and you could say, okay, yeah, this guy's good. He's ready to go. Seconds. Within seconds, you knew Cedric Alexander and you said, okay, Kotobushi is another one as well. And these are two guys that they're they're not going to leave without contracts. Like, again, you see Kotobushi for five minutes and you go, okay, yeah, he's got it. He knows what he's doing. He's got ring presence. We're good. We're good. Okay, cool. Thanks.
1: I think in the future, they may have problems. This time, it was very easy for them to just pluck whoever they wanted for this thing. But some of these bigger international promotions are going to start saying, now, wait a minute now. You can't just have whoever you want because there's a good chance you're going to take them away for good. And some of these promotions are still going to be gracious about it, the way Dragon Gate was for Akira Tazawa, But they're not going to continue to be that way, especially with certain talents that they see big futures for. Do you think a promotion like Dragon Gate, for example, would have been so accommodating if it was someone like Aeta or if it was someone like Big R Shimizu? I'm not so sure. You know what I mean? Tozawa is a guy in his 30s who very clearly has always wanted to work for this company, and they're probably doing him a solid. But I think uh, as they sign these guys, some of these companies are going to say, you know, CMLL might say, hey, we might want to start locking our guys up that we think have a future with us. Now, they've never pushed Dorada for, you know, and they've never utilized him correctly. So maybe for whatever reason, they just didn't care about that guy the way that they should have because he's great. But maybe, you know, uh, in future years, they're going to say, now, wait a minute now. We don't want to lose a guy like Rush without a fight. We're not going to let him moonwalk into Orlando and participate in this show without a fight. And maybe they're going to try to get these. What I'm saying is, these types of shows could change the overall landscape in wrestling. It could be a very different landscape. Six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, because of this show. Because it, WWE kind of, you know, they swooped in and they're stealing everybody's talent. They're just taking the picks of the litter, which you know they could have done anyway, simply by offering big money. But I think these, like, look at look at New Japan. Look how they've tightened things up since the raid early in the year. Signing guys to two-year contracts and three-year contracts instead of one-year contracts and throwing big money offers at Okada. I think you might see that with some of these other promotions, too, because of a show like this.
0: Do you think it would be beneficial – and maybe this is a little bit of what they did for this cruiserweight as well – of getting those guys that aren't – you know, a guy like a – again, I'll bring over Alejandro Sayas or whatever because he's a guy that they're probably they're not going to sign. And it, it's just – maybe then that's what you kind of do is you, you – you sprinkle in some of those just guys that are just kind of there, like Arya Divari or whatever the guy who, who faced ho Lono. Of course, he, as I mentioned to you, was not going to impress a bunch of people. He was just going to be a very solid. I, I likened him to like a 2005 OVW guy. Like they would bring him up in, in 2005, he would go to SmackDown. He would be fine against anybody you you put him against. He'd have okay matches. He would nothing. He, he's just a borderline guy, like just an absolutely like. Every match, you knew exactly what you were going to get from him. Like, that's a guy where I don't know if there's a real threat from anybody that he's going to sign. Do you have to sort of sprinkle that in then of, of saying, okay, here's like five guys, in this case, we can probably name all five of the guys in, in the Cruiserweight Classic that are guys that they obviously have eyes for and wanted in this, and then you sort of sprinkle other guys in there like is there i don't know Would it, would it, do you think a company would be upset by well, that if you indie, just said well, hey indie
1: guys are a different animal
0: because no 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 no. i mean like even like even CMLO, if you say hey we're gonna take one of your mid-level guys i don't know whoever name somebody sure sure in this hypothetical thing or whatever is that something where they go no 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 no, no we don't want that or you're gonna steal them or whatever or are they fairly confident yeah you guys aren't gonna want this guy i think but have fun I, with them anyway. i
1: think it's gonna evolve to a point where these where the bigger companies that have a certain uh a certain leverage that have a certain level of power will start making it more difficult. Yes, I do think you're going to see that happen, because it's it's they're not going to continue to let this company just cherry pick their people, and make a, and make fools of them and, and steal all their talent. I mean, if you can prevent it, why wouldn't you? So um, I I do think you'll see a change. Yes, uh, and, and look, you've seen, look you've seen it this year with New Japan you know new japan you know it, 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 it's like they're not they weren't just going to let kushida participate in this no fucking way you know, same for Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor wasn't gonna let their guys participate in this thing. TNA, so you you're kinda seeing it already, but I think you're gonna continue to see it as we go down the line. And it's really caused a ripple. There's going to be a ripple effect in Japan too. You've seen it already with New Japan. They went out and got a Sonata. You know, they they've uh, you know they they, they they they're getting people from different places now to replace the people that they've lost. And 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 you know, and then When you pluck guys from other companies in Japan, those companies are going to want to replace their people with guys from the next level. So I think you're going to continue to see that, the ripple effects of WWE's global recruitment everywhere. And I think right now we're just in this weird, wild, wild west sort of scenario where everyone's kind of just settling into all this. But I don't think the entire world is going to be at WWE's beck and call uh, when it comes to these tournaments forever. I don't think it's going to work like that.
0: All right, so you want to get into Battleground here? We got this Sunday. We almost forgot that it was going on. Let's play the 0-10 well, uh, game of Battleground. Yeah. That. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, who sorry. impressed
1: you the most on that first episode? And who didn't impress you at all?
0: I think... trying to think impressed impress the most because there was quite a few. I mean, of course, it, it, see, it's hard to say that, you know, in like Koto Ibushi and a Cedric I was in, I kind of knew. I would say, I think I would say Grand Metallic, the best, you know, obviously, Masquerade Dorada because I thought he just, I thought there'd be some weirdness of him, of, you know, maybe it wouldn't quite, I thought he got it right away and got the crowd within like the crowd was into him right away. I think he just fit like a glove. And like, he's a guy that I think that if, if there was ever the opportunity and I don't know what, what the situation is, if you sign him, I think you could do a lot of good stuff with him. He does not going to be a superstar. He's going to win championships or whatever, but a guy that you can just drop into your roster tomorrow and he'd fit like a glove and be fine.
1: Yeah. I think that um, people are being very nice about it, but Ho Ho Lun is, is terrible. Um,
0: he, yeah, he was, he, was no,
1: he is out of his league. In ways, Now, look, we knew he would be one of the less advanced guys, and I've seen him wrestle before. This was the worst I've ever seen him look, and he picked a bad time to have his worst match that I've ever – and and the fact is he just looked so out of – he looked so out of his league. Nobody else on this show looked any lower than, say, the AAA level. Most of the people on this show very much looked major league. I think the majority of the people on the first show looked like major league talents. Sean Matula, he did some nice things. He's like a triple-A guy, a guy who you can see. You know, I don't know if I'd put him on my major league TV tomorrow, but he's a guy I, I wouldn't uh, you know, scoff at them signing and putting in development. Yeah,
0: he's fine. He's, and that's, it's the same thing I had with Davari. It's like you know what you were going to get out of him. It was fine. It's not going to be bad. It's not going to be good. It's just going to be passable. It's fine.
1: And, and you know that's a guy, Davari. I felt terrible for him. What an awful draw to get stuck wrestling that guy. He carried that. That was as much of a carry job as you'll ever see in your life.
0: I actually think, I wonder if there was a, a, an intent there to link him up. Because I thought Davari is a guy who I've seen a bunch of times. And, and again, like I've, I've mentioned, is a very solid wrestler. He's not great, not good, not spectacular. He's not going to have a great match, but he's not going to have a bad match either. And I wonder if that was one of the, I, I wonder if that was intentional of putting him with a whole one. Knowing that this is a guy that can handle it. This is a guy that doesn't need a whole lot to shine. Just a very workman-like wrestler that I think fit perfectly uh, with a whole who, who was just like, yeah, you said just completely in over his head. There was one point where he's like, say, like, he looked like he was just happy to be there. He looked like a guy who like bought a group on to wrestle or whatever. You know, what I mean, like he's smiling he's kind of like having a good time and fun. And like you can tell he's thinking about every move and every step he's going to yes, take the entire you can time. Feel
1: like, him thinking.
0: <laughs> nothing, like okay, nothing is bounce on the ropes. All right, yeah, all right. Like every time he, you could tell that he was like happy about himself when he did something okay. Like he was like waiting for approval or waiting for Devara to go. Yeah, okay, good, nice job. All right, done this. Like yeah, you could hear the thinking. Like you could hear his brain going.
1: Nothing had any snap. Nothing had any aggressiveness. You didn't feel like the guy was involved in a fight. Everything was soft. He went behind Davari to lock him into a, uh, a German suplex. And it's like, he was barely holding on. It's just everything.
0: As they were screaming Masawa, which I thought was kind of funny. And, I would we O'Brien, were like, Oh, Masawa. And it's like, Oh God,
1: I got to tell you, I just, I used the baseball comparison before where I thought most of these guys were clearly major league level. Obviously guys like Cedric Alexander, Kota, Bushi, Grand Metalik, those guys are major league talents. We all know that everybody else I saw was no lower than, than I would say triple a level. Uh, Ho Ho Lun, I would compare to A-Ball. He was a rookie ball talent, or less. He was. Really I would say mad. short
0: season. <laughs> yeah, short season, like college wood bat league or something. Yeah, he was pretty. He was pretty. And, out I, there.
1: and I know people are mad at us right now, and they're going, "Oh, it's it's Hong Kong wrestling. It's not advanced." Dave Meltzer calls it primitive. I get that, but he, the fact of the matter is, if he's going to be on this show, I have to evaluate
0: him. I can't right. come
1: on this podcast.
0: For the record, I still think they should sign him
1: they They should absolutely sign yes. one of the chinese men i don't I would sign the
0: other one I would sign both i'd <laughs> sign both I would honestly sign both but, but yeah, yeah there's no but. question
1: they should sign at least one of them as a long term project. I think lee's going to blow them away but but i mean you've you got to i do think you should sign one of them for 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 those but the fact of the matter is he looks so out of place and it's, it's bad that he won because who has to – I feel so bad for forever has to face him next. I hope it's someone who's established and who's clearly going to get signed because Davari stood no chance. He had to carry that match. I think all of that was intentional, all the reasons you said, and the fact that that was the one match where they blew off the handshake and they did a heel face match because that was the only prayer that that match had was to do a heel face match. If you didn't do a heel face match, if you didn't do a 1980s heel versus face match in that situation, Lund would have been completely lost. He would, there's no way he would have been able to hang with the Vart.
0: Noam Dar has Ho-Ho-Lund next, so. And that's, sorry if that's a, I don't know, oh, that's a spoiler, I think, so sorry. but that,
1: That's a guy they seem to like. So, I mean, you know, and and you know maybe Dar can just, I, I don't, I feel bad for anyone that has to wrestle this guy. <laughs> I mean, he's horrendous. They really should have eliminated him in the first round. And then if they they liked him as a project, you could still sign him. You know what I mean? I mean, he even looked indie rific with his awful sleeve <laughs>
0: shirt. Yeah, he had a sweet shirt on. No, yeah.
1: bo- no physique to speak of. Bad haircut. I mean, the guy he looked bad. He wrestled bad. I, I mean, I I kind I feel a little bad beating him up, but I mean, he just looked. I gotta be honest about it. I thought
0: I- he's also twenty nine too, which is another thing I think people have to realize as well. This isn't like he looks. You know, he looks very young. He looks like he's seventeen, but he's he's twenty nine. So.
1: I mean, like, uh, you know, let's be honest. This guy's not going to turn into uh, Daisuke Sakamoto, okay? Right.
0: <laughs> it's going to be. I, I would still sign him just because I don't know. I'd like the project, but yeah, him. I don't. I'd
1: sign the other guy
0: uh, Jake Lee? Yeah. But, or are you talking Because they have the one in in now in the Performance Center. I forgot. I'm blanking oh, on Oh, you're name. right. They do have a guy. He's in, in there, the, so they already have that guy. But yeah, I, I, I like Jake Lee, too. Well, we'll see
1: what he looks like. To be, we, We've we got to yeah. be fair about him, too. I mean, if he looks like absolute dog shit, I mean, we got to come out here and say it. But I thought everybody else looked pretty good. Were, everyone else looked at least. You wouldn't really roll your eyes if they signed any of them, honestly.
0: All right. uh, Zero to ten on Battlegrounds? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's go. All right. We start off with Sasha Banks and To Be Decided versus Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Joe, who's To Be Decided?
1: I don't know who To Be Decided is. I don't know if the brand split gives us any clue as to who that would be. Nia Jax. I mean, it might be. Yeah, it could be.
0: I think it might be, actually, because it makes sense. The the, the juxtaposition of Dana Brooke and Nia Jax, Banks and Charlotte, you know, uh, I don't know. You
1: got Nia Jax calling out Charlotte uh, yesterday on the draft show. But then again, they were letting people sort of just cut their own promos on that show, as we saw with Cesaro. And as unfortunately, we saw with Callisto, who cut the worst promo in the history of fucking mankind. I felt so bad for that guy.
0: Oh, there's worse. He
1: just lost it in the middle.
0: I just wanted to leave, and then the best is he like ran away immediately. He was like, "All right, uh, bye." And it,
1: and no, not like only that, he said, yeah. he, he said, "God damn it!" Because he was so frustrated. <laughs> right. Like he said, "And I'm and I'm gonna do a, a, a lucha thing." God damn it! And then he runs away because <laughs> he, runs. he knew he fucking blew it. He lost it. He lost it in the middle, and then he panicked. Yeah. And he couldn't reel it back in. And it was just so heartbreaking to watch. Terrible fucking promo. Cesaro went into business for himself and basically buried the idea of the uh, authority figures. (laughs) Which was fantastic. And flat out said, I just want to wrestle and show what I can do wrestling. And I think another interesting thing he said, he's like, you know, and I think it gives you some insight with the feedback he's getting within the company. He said, people think I can't talk because I speak five languages and sometimes I get confused and I stumble over my words but I do know how to talk. That's probably something people have been telling him that he stumbles over his words, but he makes a good point. When you speak five languages fluently, it's kind of understandable that every now and then you're going to get confused over what word to use. And that, you know, I never really looked at it that way, but he made an excellent point. And I really think he was firing shots in that promo. His body body language, the way his face looked,
0: um, he had a nice he had a nice eye roll when uh, uh, Jojo was like, well, what do you think about, you know, Shane McMahon and or, uh, Stephanie and Mick Foley and how they're going to and You could just look on his face. And that wasn't like a because sometimes they have like, the, oh, hey, look like annoyed face. Yes. You know, WWE has and the wrestlers have that was not that was <laughs> OK. All right. And, well, like, the,
1: <laughs> and then the first thing that came out of his mouth is he's like, to be honest, I don't care. Right. I don't care if they he's like, that's the stuff that, that we need,
0: which is not something that they um, that's not a promo that they, they don't like people that say they don't care about anything. You know what I mean? Like everything matters in WWE. Everything. Guys always care about and everything. The
1: question she asked is like the only thing that should matter. You're supposed to care about whether these people can get along and, co- and coexist and produce a good show. And, and he just flat out said, look, man, I don't care. I just want to wrestle. And he clearly did not want to be on Raw. He did not want to be on Raw. He wanted to be on SmackDown. For whatever reason, he wanted to be on SmackDown. But yeah, so uh, maybe it'll be Nia Jax because Nia Jax said she's coming for Charlotte. That could mean something. It could mean nothing. I think it's bad news for Sasha Banks if it's Nia Jax because I can easily see them pushing Nia Jax ahead of Banks
0: sure. to a oh, feud yeah. with Charlotte. Uh, zero to 10 on this guy.
1: Uh, five. I'm intrigued to see who the partner will be, and I'm intrigued to see where they go with Charlotte's next feud.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going six because I'm, I'm intrigued to see, you know, post draft where, where Sasha sort of stands and how they present her and then yeah also who's that to be uh, you know who is that to be decided who's going to be in that match so um, yeah I, I'm, I'm pretty into that one more than I thought I would be uh, maybe before the draft uh, move on six man tag we have the new day of course Big E, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods versus the Wyatt family Bray Wyatt Eric Rowan, and Braun Strowman and this I believe will be the final uh, six man for uh, the Wyatt family for a little while because they're on different brands now
1: yeah um, I don't know I really don't care at all
0: I'm at like a one. I, I couldn't possibly. I
1: would, I would be just lying to you if I gave you any number over zero. I just don't care.
0: It's it's Bray Wyatt, man. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I, yeah. It, it's, and, uh, yeah, it, without Luke Harper, I just have no need for the Wyatt. Exactly. Guy, so, yeah. unfortunately, yeah, I'm, I'm at about a one just because the New Day is, is fun and I enjoy them. All right. Uh, United States Championship, Rusev the champion defending against Zack Ryder.
1: Um, man, they just keep giving Rusev the worst feuds. <laughs> I love I love Rusev and I would love this. I, the Callisto feud was awesome. Um, the Titus O'Neil thing was terrible. The, the best thing about the Titus O'Neil feud is when he was taunting his children at ringside on Father's Day on Father's after Day. After
0: beating his dad, yeah, after beating their dad, <laughs> saying your dad sucks.
1: Yeah. And he caught a great promo on the draft special, too, where he was complaining about his draft position. And it was funny. Because he, uh, he was going down the list of all the people that got drafted ahead of him and giving the reasons why he should have been picked ahead of them. You know, naming matches in the past where he beat them or naming their weaknesses. He, he, he said Seth Rollins has a, has a weak knee and if he ever wrestles him, he'll exploit it. And I beat this guy and I beat that guy. And then he, and then he said to JoJo, who else was picked ahead of me? And she goes, Charlotte. And he, he pauses for a second and he goes, well, good for her. And just the the comic timing on that, you got to go back and watch it because he probably thought to himself, I can't – I want to say something bad about her, but they're very big on -on man-on-woman violence, so I can't say anything. So he just said, well, good for her. After he totally tore down all the men, it was tremendous. This guy's a great promo. This guy's a great wrestler. And they just keep sticking him with
0: these shitty feuds. I,
1: I, 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 Zack Ryder's not winning this match. How can I get <laughs> into this? All I can hope for here is it's a great Rusev squash. So I'll- Yeah,
0: I want like the Rusev five-minute just dismantling of Zack Ryder. Um, and then, yeah, just reign supreming. But so I give it a uh, five for that reason. I was gonna go with a five as well, just because yeah, I, I have that hope that it's gonna be that, but it's probably gonna be like ten minutes and maybe a little back and forth. But they're pretty good about those Rusev squashes. They might be a little longer than people like, but when it's all said and done, like you know, the story was that Rusev just completely dominated this guy, so that's always a fun thing. So I'll go, yeah, I'll go with a five as well with you. Uh, Intercontinental Championship, The Miz defending against Darren Young. I man, I mean, I don't know what you have.
1: Again, but. it's like. Maybe they had these terrible title defenses because they knew this was a post draft, sort of a dead zone pay per view. You know what I mean? And maybe they just didn't, you know, do meaningful programs for that reason. I don't know if they thought it out that much, but um, Darren Young's getting this little push with Bob Backlund, and that's all well and good. But Darren Young, it's
0: like you talked about. I mean, it's not well and good. It's bad. It's really, really bad.
1: You talked about Devari sort of being a uh, conveyor belt wrestler, just coming off that you know, developmental conveyor belt. I mean, that's what Darren Young is. Darren Young is just the most bland, boring, average wrestler you can, he doesn't, what does he do well?
0: I don't know. Yeah. He's a guy that, that fits so perfectly in like 2007 WWE, but sticks out like a sore thumb now. Cause it's just like, wh- wh- what What do you bring to the table, man?
1: What does he excel at?
0: Yeah. Like, I don't he, know. you know, his promos are, o- every- TMZ following him around is what he excels at. Everything he but. does is okay. He does nothing
1: well. He does nothing piss poor. He's just a fucking guy. He even, like, looks like just a guy. So I I can't really get wrapped up in this. And for, you know, Miz, for all the praise he gets, he is kind of a guy who will work to the level of his opponent. So I don't expect this to be any kind of great match. So I can't give it more than a three or a four.
0: I'm at about a two here. I I just can't possibly care. I I just There's no way that I could care. I I don't like the Darren Young, Bob Backlund thing. I think it's stupid. I I don't really quite get it. I don't understand why the fascination with it or or why Vince or WWE thinks it's a good idea to have Bob Backlund out. I don't know. I guess it's sort of an ironic thing that you're supposed to laugh at, but I just find it sad and pathetic and stupid. So I don't care about that. Like you said, Darren Young does nothing for me. And The Miz, yeah, he's had a great year. He's been fine. He's been good matches. But I like like you said, do you honestly think that The Miz and Darren Young are going to come together and say, all right, man, let's blow the doors off this show let's let's steal the show i mean yeah, it's gonna be 10 minutes and the Miz is gonna win and it's not gonna it's gonna be fine like you're gonna forget that it ever existed in another five minutes after this match so i'd rather
1: see here. i'd rather see ms wrestle back one
0: yeah honestly like yeah at least that would be memorable like there's nothing this match is gonna be over and it will never enter your system ever and your brain will never think of it ever again and, and, that's, and
1: with all these trump gimmicks in wrestling right now look i i think they're all terrible i think at least if you're doing it like ring of honor at least they're heels you know what I mean? Like, how do you do like a Trump gimmick and make it a babyface gimmick?
0: Because your company is ran by Vince McMahon, is how you do I that.
1: I guess you just answered it.
0: I... <laughs> right, your company is ran by that guy, and he probably sees Mr. Trump as a a babyface and not a heel. So
1: I feel stupid for even asking the question.
0: <laughs> right, I think that might be your answer there. I it might, maybe it's more nuanced hey, hey, than hey, that. I but... tell you what,
1: uh, Sinclair, you don't get more conservative than that, and even they're doing a heel Trump gimmick.
0: Yeah. But yeah, uh, you're probably you're
1: probably right though.
0: All right, uh, women's match, we got Becky Lynch versus Natalia.
1: I'm kind of looking forward to this. You know why, Rich? I like the feud. I like the it's feud. It's a funny thing. They've actually have they're having a compelling feud. Imagine that. That is that is not uh, you know, surrounded by the title. They've given t- uh, other women something to do that's meaningful that doesn't revolve or, the revolve around the belt, which is very rare. Uh, and which is why I've been calling and obviously they're not going to do this. Oh, you know what? What do you think of it is? I haven't heard anyone with this idea. This is an outside the box idea. How about instead of doing a second women's title on SmackDown, you do a women's tag team title on SmackDown?
0: Um, the problem is who the hell are your tag teams? Because that exploits the lack of depth. Cause you got six people on that team, so you got Becky, Natalia, Naomi, Alexa, Eva, Marie, and Carmelo.
1: Now you know damn well the way they book wrestling; they only do one pro. It's a two-hour show, right? So if you have two teams feuding over the belts at a time,
0: that's <laughs> so you got. You some- Alexa Bliss and Naomi versus we got Eva, Eva and Naomi. Like I, I just I, I can't do it with that. I just don't know. I could see it with the Raw females, honestly. You got Charlotte Banks, Nia Jax. Uh, Paige, Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox, Summer, I could see that. I could really honestly see it on Raw. SmackDown, man, I don't, I, what do you, I don't know how you make teams out of that. It
1: would avoid the problem of devaluing the women's title, though.
0: Sure. Because it's yeah.
1: something completely different. So, I don't know. But uh, that's just something I thought of spurred a moment. But, yeah, I'm into this. I would give this a 6 or a 7. I think they could have a really good match, and there's a story to it. And it's a chance for Natalya to do something different after all the years and work
0: heel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm in about an eight because I really like be- uh, Becky Lynch's work. I think she's awesome. And I, I think Natalia, um, you know, she's hit or miss sometimes, but I think she's going to bring her a game here. And I think she, uh, t- to me, it appears like she's remotivated in a lot of ways. And sometimes we can kind of get low efforts from her when I think she thinks, hey, this is just kind of the same old status quo thing. But I think she's actually pretty excited about this, whatever's going on right now with the heel side. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I Yeah, I'm going to go eight. I, I really do think it's going to be good, and I, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, move on, John Cena. Uh, uh, teaming with Enzo Amore and Big Cass versus the club AJ Styles Gallows and Anderson this looks like this is it for the club as well because they are on different brands
1: all right so I'm not going to complain I'm going to annoy I'm going to make people real mad again um but I'm not going to complain about their push because they're over but I've had enough Enzo Amore I can't take the guy he just gets under my skin um he's just annoying I, I his getting him on a weekly base, it was like once every other week on NXT or whatever. Well, okay, all right, he was goofy. Every single week on TV, I can't take this guy anymore. He just drives me nuts. I just find him so off putting and and annoying. Um, I just can't take the guy, but
0: people uh, love him, Joe, so it's not going away. I know they do,
1: and, and look, <laughs> yeah, and, and look, he's away. over, the team is over. I have no look, they should push him to the moon, absolutely. Uh, just me personally, I, the guy, I've had enough of him. I've, I've, I'm just about ready to slam the I'm finished with this guy button on. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm almost there with him. I find his character very annoying. Um, this match, it, it's – it's look, it's AJ Styles, John Cena in the same ring. Um you know, our Enzo and Cass and and yeah, and the, the, the club, they're they're on the same brand, right? So the
0: they are. Yes. Yeah, they'll be on Raw.
1: And Styles and Cena are going to SmackDown. So the tag mm-hmm. teams are staying together and the singles guys are staying together. I've got some limited interest in this. I mean, Cass and Enzo just, you know, I know people like them. They do nothing for me. So they kind of drag it down a little for me. Um, Gallows, eh, you know, I don't I'm not in love with that guy. I, I'll throw a five on this.
0: I'm about a six, just because it's hard when it's Cena and Styles to put it anywhere lower. And I, I'm not over uh, Enzo cast. I still find them entertaining. Like, in-ring, it does nothing for me, but it'll be kind of fun to see them come out and, and do their entrance and that sort of stuff and see how the crowd reacts. Because that's always a fun thing, the crowd uh, interaction between those two. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a six solely because Cena and Styles are in the same ring together. And, and anything else revolving around that um, is kind of secondary to me. So, yeah, I'm about a six, but uh, it, that's about as high as I can go. Because it's still, like you said, it's Gallows and Anderson, and they're, they've been kind of meh. So far, and Enzo and Cass, you know, in ring is, is leaves a little to be desired. So about a six is the highest I can go, but it's Cena Styles. So you know, there's there's some good value in there. Enzo
1: is KZ, but he can't work, <laughs> right? There's some similarities yeah. there. Okay,
0: all right.
1: He's like a shitty working version of KZ. I
0: wonder they, they have similar fashion for sure. I
1: wonder if KZ's promos are as annoying as Enzo's.
0: We'll have to ask. We'll have to ask uh, Jay or, or any any Dragon Gate. Uh, Interpreter, what they can let us know. Yeah, I'd be interested to see that. I don't know. Um, if people seem to like KZ though, too, right? Yeah, no, I I like yeah, I, people
1: love him. So, I like KZ, yeah, unless... so maybe it's just the yeah. promos that are turning me off. But the thing about KZ too is he can go.
0: That that is a big difference. Yes, one is good and one is not very good at all. And
1: oh, yeah, yeah, one a, one yeah. guy's a guy. I mean, he's you know what he's good at though. He's good at like the Ricky Morton role. He can sell, sell, sell in a tag match and then make that hot tag. He's okay at that. Um, I wouldn't call him a terrible worker, but I wouldn't call. He's
0: him. a system guy. You could tell. That's a guy who he's a day one system guy. Like everything that he knows and does is exactly how they taught him, and that's fine. Like he's never going to leave his comfort zone. He's just going to be that guy forever, and that's you know. There's value he to that. Doesn't have too, to but.
1: be a great worker. Look how over he is with. Right. Uh, <laughs> jokes on jokes on
0: everybody else because yeah, he's in the 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 third from the top teaming with John Cena. Uh, because he says a bunch of words when he comes out loudly. And that's, that's not, a bad gig to, not a bad gig to get. So we have uh, move on to the semi-main. Sami Zane versus Kevin Owens. The final battle between... Oh, they're on the same brand. All right, never mind. Didn't you think this was going to be it for them? That this was it? That was the blow-off? <laughs> they said it. They said this is it. And now they're on the same brand. So now they're just going to like, this is it. We have to kill each other. until One of us is going to win. The other is going to go. But then like, we'll just see each other every week again.
1: I mean, I'll never complain about a match between these two. Even though it's very clear that Kane can kick both of their asses.
0: <laughs> what was that? What I we 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 really glossed over that before. What the fuck was that? I don't know. Explain, Joe. I want you to explain to me. I'm I'm pitch me that. What person did that help? Okay, we have a semi main event between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. How do we get that match over, Joe? And you come to me and say, you know what we should do? We should have Kane chokeslam them both. Yes. Like that. That's honestly the pitch, and that that is honestly like. How? I don't I can't even I, I don't Kane, I don't know Kane,
1: who's doing nothing right now.
0: Where's he been? Like, like what the Who, fuck? Like, I don't know what that was. What
1: person did that help? It clearly didn't help Zayn or Owens. Um, now, you, you know, maybe if he would have let go of Zayn and just slam Owens. In other words, giving Zayn the endorsement of, hey, I like you, kid. <laughs> and Owens, I hate you because you're a scumbag. Then the segment would have made sense on some level, because then you go, "Yay, Kane likes Sami Zayn. I like Kane, so I..." Li-. You know what I mean? At least there's. But the way it played out with him just choke slamming both of them and help not—it doesn't help Kane. He's forty-six years old, and they're not doing anything with him. How did it help Kane? I, I, that was really a brain dead segment. I don't know what that was. No
0: and then to have sammy get drafted like, right they have to like scrape his corpse off the ring oh hey sammy's in everybody and then
1: lawler doing the lawler shtick why would you draft him he just got choke slammed by kane <laughs>
0: exactly fuck this guy it's like man. sometimes man this is the semi-made event of this pay-per-view like what are you doing
1: it's like a help no one
0: what are you doing <laughs>
1: like, and i feel like if this is the big anti you know the big
0: fuck Terry lawler too god that was the is worst he's the worst, he's, so so, he's the worst so bad
1: worst god and it's like, I feel like this is the big climatic battle between these two, but it doesn't feel that way. It feels very anti-climatic. Yeah. And I'm never going to complain about them wrestling each other. I'm sure it'll be a great match, but I'm not. I, I should be giving this a 10.
0: Yeah. Like, too much, Like uh, honestly, when they announced this match a few weeks ago, I was at that. I was 10. OK, this is it. This is done. And more and more as we've gotten there, the bill has just not done a whole lot for me. And then on Monday or uh, Tuesday, rather, um, it was over. It was just like, all right. Nothing. I don't care anymore. I, I, I Honestly, I'm at a five with this match. I, it's Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. I should be, like you said, 10 out of 10, 15. I love it. It's, it's these two guys, two of my favorites ever. Their series, uh, Generico Steen, I love every single time those guys got in the ring together. I will watch the hell out of those matches to this date every time. I love them. Favorite matches of all time, some of them. I, I, I don't care.
1: How did, they, how, how did they blow this feud?
0: <laughs> it's really hard to do. How
1: did this company blow this feud? It started off so great in NXT. You know how they blew it? It went to the main roster.
0: Mm-hmm. And even then, they had it for a little bit because they just showed those videos and they said, hey, we're your friends forever, and now we're not friends. Yeah. There we go. Cool. Okay, nice. That's, that, that works. And they've just done it and done it and just killed, killed it dead. Where I I don't know what other people think. I have no idea. I guess people can, can let us know on, on the forums or at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. Are you the same way as us? Because I, I, I'm honestly, I'm a 5 out of uh, 10. With I'm this. a little higher. I'm a little
1: be. higher because I, 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 I know it'll be a great match. So I've got it at about a 7. Um, but I should be a, giving this a fucking 11.
0: And, I have no emotional attachment. I do. I None. Yeah, no, no, who all. wins? And that, 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 there's how you allow me to not have an emotional attachment to Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens, I have you know no why? idea. Because we know it
1: doesn't matter. We know it does not fucking matter who wins. Whereas if it took place on NXT, it would matter. We'd be so into this on NXT. But we know the outcome doesn't make a difference. It doesn't fucking matter.
0: No. All right, we'll get to the triple threat now, the main event. Dean Ambrose, your champion, defending against Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Talk
1: about blowing <laughs> Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. How do you blow the shield feuding against – when you think about how hot the shield was two years ago or whatever the fuck, it's just amazing how they just, they, they just shoot themselves in the foot in this company. And – um You know, I'm not. Look, I don't know. There's some intrigue for me as to see who walks away with the title and how they treat Roman Reigns in this match, and whether he takes a fall and whether they continue to punish him. Um, Other than that, uh, you know, so I would I would give it a, a six for that reason.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm at about at seven, and the only reason, again, is to see how the crowd reacts to Roman Reigns, how the announcers, how how the branding of Roman Reigns, if it changes at all, or if they just kind of act like nothing happened, and he comes out, and he's normal, and, and that's going to be a big thing. I'm just super curious of how they perceive him after this, like because this is a guy who you, you've given spots to, you've given him the opportunities, and, and he did this, and this this should be, a lot of times, this will kill people's pushes, it'll kill the way that they trust you, and how they believe in you, and that sort of stuff, so it'll be very interesting to see in this case if they just kind of go on with it with the Roman Reigns train as you would like to do or if they alter it in some way and he's a little bit different and he's got a little bit more of an edge or they, they do something different about the branding of him. I, I, I don't think they're going to, but we'll see. That's the intrigue for me is to see that. Uh, as far as the match, I mean, I saw Ambrose and R- Rollins on Raw. Uh, wasn't very good. I saw it on Tuesday and it was okay. And I've seen Reigns and Raw. You know, I've seen all these combos and it's like, again, you say, how do they blow this? Like two years ago, if I told you there is going to be a main event and all three of the former members of the Shield are going to be going for the WWE Championship. You would have, you would have pissed your pants with excitement. And, too, it, right?
1: and, it de- and it determines which brand the title goes to.
0: <laughs> right. It's got this like monumental, once-in-a-lifetime, amazing, and it's just, it's just kind the of It's on battleground. the other thing yeah. we
1: know is they're going to roll out a second title. So again, why does it matter who wins?
0: And I guess that's a part of my intrigue as well is are we going to get something silly like we got on Raw 2 where it's like and – and my answer is yeah, we probably are. I don't see like Dean Ambrose winning and them going, oh, Dean Ambrose has the title. SmackDown is where you go to see the WWE Championship. I don't see that being the way they sign off. They'll
1: double pin Roman. Right. And, you know, you'll go off the air with both of their hands being raised and Stephanie will decree – <laughs> that 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 Rollins, uh, you know, deserves a title as well since uh, he won the match, and that's how they'll get to the second title.
0: Yeah, like zero, Like, what is your percent chance that that is part of the finish? That I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but that it is something a, of that type. Yeah, like something of they pin each other, both shoulders are down, a conflicted champion at the end of this match.
1: Right to lead to the creation of a second title. Right. Ninety nine point nine percent.
0: Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you on that too.
1: If you think that like one guy's just beating the other i i, I
0: can't. yeah like seth Rollins is just gonna pin roman reigns and that's it and seth Rollins is your champion because
1: so. how do they get to you know the other show having a champion in that right. case you have to come up with some other convoluted uh deal you know I, which they could easily do but i i you know i this is the easiest way to do it though
0: the future you could just give a guy a title and say you are the champion so i mean i like to have us done that before so right we uh, we have there's precedent for that but yeah that's so that's got a little bit of my intrigue like in ring i think it'll be fine um but uh, my intrigue is just what you do there what what how do we get to those two titles how do we do that like i don't think i'm gonna like it but i'm intrigued by it if that makes sense like it's not a seven out of ten because i'm really into it it's a seven out of ten because i'm i'm interested in it but I don't know. I, I doubt I'm going to like it or, or whatever, but I don't know. I mean, it's these three, and I, I'm hoping the crowd will be nuts, and, and I think they'll put together a very good match when it's all said and done, but yeah, the intrigue is is what's going to happen after. Again, like we mentioned a lot of times with WWE main events, it's not really necessarily what happens bell to bell, but what's the shenanigans surrounding after the bell or leading to the bell that we're always going to worry about a little bit more. I think it'll so. be an
1: enjoyable match, and, I always, and Roman Reigns is going to get booed out of the building, and I always enjoy that. I, I love when crowds, and, and I'm not picking on, I'm not doing a Roman Reigns thing, I'm not just picking on, I'm on Reigns, I just, I love when crowds shit on what the companies serve up to them. I just love Roman Reigns getting booed, I think, I think it's so fucking entertaining. So, I, there'll be plenty of that in this match.
0: Alright, so, uh, you wanna head over to Japan? We got plenty of good stuff going on there. Anything else in America before we depart? I think
1: we did a lot of WWE. Almost two hours. We did more
0: than more than than we ever do. Fuck. Well, a half hour was us trying to figure out uh, what porn um, or what '80s wrestlers were in porn, and then why every '80s wrestler looked old. We're sticking
1: it to shake them ropes here.
0: Oh, (laughs) challenging them with all this WWE stuff. Well, now we got the new Japan stuff. So, all your WWE fans, you can bounce now. Uh, We're just going to talk Japan, but uh, we might go back to America. Uh, for some news here in a little bit. But let's talk Super J-Cup, Joe. This morning, as we record this, I watched it this morning, I believe you watched it this morning as well. Uh, initial thoughts on the first round of the sixth stage of the Super J-Cup.
1: I thought seven of the eight matches were enjoyable. I thought three or four of the eight matches were were what I would call very good and bordering on great. And um, I'm just disappointed in some of the booking choices. I'm not a big fan of Taichi and Taguchi, both being in the final eight. I think two of your final eight being Taichi and Taguchi is a little disappointing. And listen, Taguchi had an excellent match with Daisuke Harada. Um, and he'll probably have an excellent match. In it, but I just – the guy just – I don't know. I've had enough of him. And even though he goes out there and has good matches a lot of the time, he's just – I don't know. He's been around for years and there's just – he's.
0: He's the one that you definitely look at and you look at the purpose of this tournament and what it's always meant and what it's always symbolized, the Super Jacob. And he's the guy that very easily could have taken a loss in the first round and nothing. It, it, it doesn't affect him. It doesn't matter for him. But you give an outlet to some other guys. You let other new faces get this publicity and get their notoriety or whatever. But I, it's not really the, the intrigue. I mean, for them, the, the way they're booking it this year. You can kind of see what they're doing here, and it's not—that's not what they're serving. They're not serving all those masters. They're serving their own masters. The guy, the the
1: guy just went to the finals of the Best of the Super Juniors. So if you're trying to protect protect Ryusuke Taguchi, mission accomplished, man. He didn't need to advance in this tournament too. You've shown you've—you've kept him strong. You know what I mean? I could see if he was like an also ran in the best of the super juniors and you want to give him a little comeuppance and give him a little veteran run here. But you don't need to do that. He went to the finals and nearly won the thing and had a match of the year caliber match in the process. OK, there's no problem with Taguchi. So I don't know. I had issues with Taguchi and Taichi getting through now. All Bushiroad guys got through. If you're counting the Noah guys as Bushiroad guys, but this is what we kind of talked about last week. This is New Japan's tournament. I, I did expect one or two non-Bushiroad guys to get through, um, but at the end of the day, you knew this thing was going to revolve around Bushiroad guys. Look, look at the history of this tournament. It always revolves around whatever company's hosting it. I don't know why this surprises people at all. Um, but yeah, the, look. My other takeaway was there was a lot of people who lost matches that got over tremendously in losing. Yes. Yeah. And one of them was Aeta. And yes, he lost to Liger. It was a sprint. It was an excellent sprint. And the way he put over his dismay at losing, the way Liger put him over, the way he attacked Liger before the bell with the
0: same How great was that? Yeah.
1: Which was a nod to Hayabusa, which I didn't Mm -hmm. pick up on. People pointed it out. But I didn't pick up on it initially.
0: There's a GIF out there if you look it up. I think if you just look up Eita, uh, uh Hayabusa, there's a GIF that shows like move for move of how close it was and how exact that entire thing was. Yeah, it's crazy. Down right down to like where Liger rolled out and where Eita and Hayabusa hit the moonsault. It's just perfect. It's awesome when you that GIF will make you love that match so much more than you even did before. Yeah.
1: And um, it, it was just a match fought with a ton of passion. It was different than every other match on the show. Hardway blood. <laughs> like. And look, I understand that Aita lost, but I thought he got a ton out of losing
0: the match. So, it, you know. Were you, were you surprised, and I don't know if you should be or, or maybe, that Aita got as big of a reaction that he did as he did?
1: No, because I'll tell you, everyone got good reactions. And there were fans of everybody there. There were fans with the gurukin mask masks. Did you see those? I did, yes. Um,
0: I mean, there was only two of them, but they were they were they were excited. Everyone
1: had representation. You had Noah fans with their Noah banners, and when Aoyogi uh, came out from uh, All Japan, and he was waving the towel, you saw people in the in the, in the stands with the All Japan towel uh, waving the towel with him when he was up on the turnbuckle, and I thought the crowd was great because it wasn't a New Japan crowd; it was an everybody crowd. Fans came for all of these guys. Everyone got great reactions, and it really helped the show. Uh, so you no, know, I. I it, no, I, I didn't – I guess – I don't know. If you would have asked me before the show, I don't know. I mean there were fans within, you know, with the Aeta banner up in the balcony right. and there were clearly a lot of Dragon Gate fans there. Um, there were fans with the Guruken Mask banner that were up there rooting for that guy. I thought it was a great atmosphere and I thought it was really cool that there were people there rooting for everybody. And, every, and the other thing I thought was cool, that everyone with the exception of the poor All Japan guy, everybody else had people from their promotion in their corner. <laughs> Hearing them on. How awesome was Mochizuki in Aeta's Corner? Oh yeah, on, and then carrying him to the back and you almost wanted Mo- Mochizuki to get in the ring and like challenge Liger
0: you know what I mean <laughs> right you know hey you fucker let's go yeah <laughs> it, <laughs> you beat that little pipsqueak but now you got me like
1: and it's like uh, the other great moment was uh, Kanoa's wrestling Garuken Mask which I thought was another
0: excellent match that team. was that great was maybe my match I think Ata uh, Liger is my match of the night uh, but that that, that Kanoa Garuken Mask is number two I thought that was awesome
1: I'm surprised because I, I liked it a lot too and I, I didn't think anybody else would I just I I'd
0: I think everybody did. I think if you look at reviews and look at, I, I was kind of surprised too. I got on there and I'm seeing all these Garukin Mass tweets. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And people are like, oh my god, this guy's great. And, and we got tweets of saying, hey, I want to see more of this guy. I love this guy. He's great. Like, I think he did a lot for his, his name. Absolutely. Like, another oh. guy who got over and losing, you know, and he's the super dolphin of this year's, you know, Jacob. Yeah, and he's a veteran guy and he
1: clearly knows how to work and he played his role to perfection as like the sympathetic baby face. Y- you don't have a heart if you weren't rooting for that guy by the end. You know, you had this scumbag Kano with that scumbag O'Hara on the outside of the ring. How great was that spot where O'Hara nailed Garukin Mask with the kendo stick behind the referee's back? And then the look on O'Hara's face. Where you're just like, oh, I want to fucking mush that guy. What a fucking dick. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's like, like, like the like the odds aren't stacked enough against this poor Grucan Mask, and you got O'Hara hitting him with a kendo stick, and then laughing about it. And and,
0: and he's got great offense too, Garukin Mask. I think that was a, what a lot of people were shocked about is like how cool his offense looked, and it, it is. It's it, it's unique and it's different. I, I liked it a lot. Yeah,
1: and you got Cano, who was a, a definite favorite coming into the match, still taking subtle shortcuts which make you think, fuck this guy, I want this Garukin. this Garukin mass deserves to win this match. And then you get behind him, and both of those guys played their roles to perfection. Now I'm with you, man, I really love that match, and I'm glad that other people did too. I haven't had a chance to read a lot of reviews. But man, that match, I, I knew it would be okay, but it blew away my expectations, that match.
0: Uh, Akaji Tomato and uh, Matt Seidel. Was that surprising to you at all? Uh, of how good that was? Because I thought that was another really good. I mean, it only went about seven or eight minutes, uh, so it wasn't. But like, I thought the crowd was into it. Uh, and both guys were, 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 I thought, really good. It was a fun match and a great opener. I, I, I was kind of surprised at first that that's what they went with to start the whole tournament. But I, I think it was a great idea because it was a really, really fun match.
1: I thought Seidel did a great job with Kaji Tomato. Kaji Tomato, like I said in the preview, he's not the best junior worker that Kai and Tai Dojo has. They have guys that are better workers, but he's the guy with all the charisma. And I could definitely see why either – I don't know who picked these guys, whether it was uh, – K-Dojo or New Japan or whoever chose the participants. Whoever chose, I could see why they picked him over the guys who were the cleaner workers and the better workers. Because the cleaner workers and the better workers in K-Dojo were, for the most part, very dry. And this guy has all the charisma. I'm not a big fan of his act, but I do concede that he has a ton of charisma. And I thought he worked a very good match here and was another guy who got over and losing. He picked the right time to have an excellent match. And I think Seidel did a very good job of him.
0: Yeah, and, and there was, at least you had a little bit of the Kaiji Tumano. You had him do the, or uh, he was going against the ropes. He was just showing how fast he was against the ropes. I thought that was a nice little n- nudge, too. You know, he's not really going to be a guy, like you said, he's not a super worker. But something like that was a simple thing that got the crowd going nuts. Of Okay, hey, this guy, he's got something here. And, then, you know, a little after that is when he had lost. But it was still, you saw some little glimpses into what, uh, what you can get with him and, and what he's capable of. But yeah, I thought that was a great opener. Uh, the crowd was way into it and, and just a great way to start it. There was oh, we're one, not really there going was, in any order. There was one oh, little ahead. moment
1: in that match where he like hit a German, but it was weak. So he picked up Seidel and said, fuck this, I'm doing it again. And then he hit like a stronger one. and I thought that was mm-hmm. a cool moment too.
0: Uh, we're not really going in any order here. So I'll just kind of go by the brackets. Uh, Titan versus Will Osprey. What'd you think of this it's- one? I thought this was, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Am I going
1: or are you going? You go. You oh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, no, I, I just thought it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was uh, two guys doing a ton of spots. This is the exact kind of match I figured they would mm-hmm. have. This is the exact kind of match that I think that they would have uh, in Mexico. This is the exact kind of match I think that they would have in a BESA Super Juniors tournament. And it was thoroughly satisfying from that perspective.
0: Were you disappointed by it at all?
1: No, I thought it it, it totally met my. I, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It didn't exceed my expectations. It didn't let me down. I thought both guys looked good. I thought uh, Teton looked real good. I thought Osprey looked like Osprey. They went out there. They had their eight minute spot fest, and that's exactly what I thought they would do. But I have a feeling you were let down by it.
0: I think I was let down because I, I think where I'm at now with Osprey is that my floor for him is like. Best high flying match I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Like I think, and that's uh, to be fair. He's, he's kind of set that standard, uh, especially in New Japan. So I think my brain was kind of like, "Oh my god, it's Osprey! Oh my god, it's going to be incredible!" And it was it was fine. It was good. Like I said, but it wasn't like. It didn't blow my mind, and I'm I'm kind of unfairly, and it's probably gonna take a few matches for me to kind of get back to that level. I'm unfairly sort of judging Ospreay on this level of every time he gets in the ring, it's gonna be like mind blowing, incredible, and it's just not capable of him doing that every single time. But he's done it so many times this year that like that's why my brain goes that way. But uh, yeah, I I thought it was fine. I'm not, I wasn't, I wouldn't say disappointed by it, but it was just like I I just have to rewire my brain to know that every time Ospreay goes out there, he's not gonna just absolutely have the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life like I just have to think about that that's a thing <laughs> like, and that, that hey, that's not if bad. you had
1: never seen either one of those guys. You think your perspective would be different?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If I if Osprey was just a guy, if Osprey was from some random promotion. I never knew who the hell he was and he was a representative in this. I'd be blown away. But I go in going, oh, my God, it's Osprey. And I know about Teton as well. So knowing that those two and, and what I thought they were capable of and, and what they really did. I mean, it wasn't I, I sound like I'm trashing this match and I'm not. But those are guys that I'm like, oh, man, these two are just going to absolutely kill it. And I don't know if they killed it, but they, they were fine. They were good.
1: Yeah, it was a little spot fest. There was no real story yeah. to it. It was just two guys going out there and showcasing the things that they can do.
0: Uh, Bushi and Kanemura. What do you think of this one?
1: I loved the finish to this match. I thought it just played so perfectly to both of their characters where Bushi locks up the referee. He goes to do the miss spit. But Kanemoru, that crafty fucking veteran, he not only ducks the miss, but then he kicks Bushi right in the fucking balls to set up the brain buster and put him away. I popped so huge for that finish <laughs> because I thought it was, it, it played right to both of the. That is exactly how you expect both of those characters to react to that spot. You expect Kanemaru to be smarter than him and to be smarter than most of these guys, honestly. He's the, he's, he knows all the dirty tricks. The guy's been around forever, okay? And then for him to then kick Bushi right in the nuts...
0: Because he's still a dickwad. Because he's still a dick, because
1: still a dick <laughs> yeah. and because he knows the ref still isn't looking because Bushi has the referee trapped. So he knows he can get away with it too. That is such a Kanemaru move. And I thought the work was good in the match and I love the finish. And honestly, this was a match I was worried about because if you get unmotivated Kanemaru, as we've seen recently, it could be a real fucking drag. But I thought he had his work and shoes on here and I love the finish and I enjoyed this match.
0: Would you rather Bushi won this or no?
1: Well, the thing is, I knew Kanemura was winning because he's the champion. Yeah. So if he wasn't the champion, I can give a more fair answer to that. You know what I mean? But right. But, was, but
0: there's no way that he was.
1: Yeah, lose. it's like we talked about. It. It's like I didn't see any scenario where Bushi could win the match because Bushi's a guy who can easily lose. That's not a problem at all. And he was facing Noah's champion. They weren't going to beat Noah's champion not with Bushi.
0: Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, Taguchi and Harada, so I don't think we have to get more into that. Unless, did you have anything else to add to that, man? Yeah,
1: we, we really undersold Harada because, uh, you know, we're, we're too busy with me being annoyed with Taguchi moving on. Harada was so, he was another guy who looked so great in losing, you know, and and, and, and this match may have had the most heat on the entire show, which, again, is a testament to Taguchi. He is a great worker. I just happen to be tired of him. And Harada held up his end more than enough in this. I thought Harada was excellent in this match. And, God, I was rooting so hard for Harada. I really wanted to see him in the next round. This was the one match where the finish, where the winner really disappointed me, and, and it bothered me to the point where it hurt my enjoyment of the match to some extent.
0: What I was thinking during some of these matches, and I don't know, like, I I, lo- I like Noah, and I'm fine with Noah. Man, I wish some of these juniors could just come over to New Japan. You know what I mean? Like, just maybe not as full time, but like every so often, just grab some of these guys and bring them over. I think you may see some of that moving forward, Rob. Yeah, I, I really hope so. Even if it's for the tag titles, I'm fine with that too. If you want to, if you want to not maybe put them into the whole junior mix or whatever, and you want to say, hey, you know, we got our juniors right now, you put those guys in the junior title mix, just or the junior uh, uh, tag titles, like. I was just seeing this going, man, these guys just like they're they're just so great. And it's just a shame that they're on that damn company. The Noah right now. And it's just like nobody cares. And no, nothing's happening. No, these guys thing. are killing it. The like thing.
1: no one cares about the heavyweights. And I've been screaming to people. No, I, I agree. Watch yeah, no, the I jun- how long have I been screaming? Watch the juniors, especially the tag, the tag stuff.
0: I'm more meant the crowds don't care about anything. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. And I don't blame them. And that's I feel bad for those guys because they're killing it. And the only thing people think about and the only thing people talk about is how awful the heavyweights are and how boring all the main events are and all that sort of stuff. And I don't disagree with them, but it's like, it's just like these guys are so good and people, I think, woke up to it. I think Harada, uh, especially in this match, was like a wake-up call. Of like, holy shit, this guy is awesome. It's like, yes, he is. Yes, he's great. It's like, and we're going to talk about Ishimori here in a little bit. Yes, these guys are awesome. Like,
1: Our mentions had plenty of that from people who – I've never watched Noah. Knew nothing about these guys, and we're impressed with all the Noah guys. Um, so yeah, I think you're right. I think the problem is, and I sort of wrote about this in my G1 uh, review. Once they start mixing the rosters a little bit, I think it's sort of it, it's going to avalanche from there, and it's a dangerous thing. Um, you're obviously going to see Marafuji face Okada at some point, probably at one of the three destruction shows. And I think uh, there is a chance that you're going to see some of these juniors come in and face Kushida just to mix things up a little bit. The problem with that is if New Japan falls in love with that, it's just a matter of time before they start plucking their talent. Look what's happening with Nakajima. All signs indicate that he's going to be part of chaos. And on one hand, that's great because Nakajima is great. And who wouldn't rather see him in New Japan? On the other hand, once they start seeing that they can pluck guys from Noah. And there's no real repercussions. What's to stop them from just continuing to do that? And just
0: yeah, where's the end of that? And completely yeah,
1: use it as a feeder system. Right. And that's where it's dangerous because, okay, Noah's on a downslope now, right? How long ago was it that All Japan was on a downslope, right? And All Japan has turned it around and they're doing great things and they're having great cards. Wrestling turns on a dime. And Pro Wrestling Noah has a very rich history and it has historically been a great company. And I'm not so sure that I'm ready to just stick a nail in Noah and kill him and have him be absorbed by New Japan. It may be an inevitability for all, you know, for all that I know. But I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I would, I would like to see if they can turn it around. These guys can become stars in their own environment. So I'm, 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 I don't know. I have mixed feelings on all of that. But I, you do see some signs that that could be the lay of the land moving forward.
0: All right. Uh, move on. Kano, uh, Guruken Mask. I think we talked enough about that match. I have nothing else to add. Kushida and Ishimori. What would you think of this one? I thought it was a great main event for the show.
1: Um, you could argue it was the best match on the show. Uh, there was, you know, between that and the Guruken Mask Kano and the Aetsu Jushin Liger. I think you can make an argument. I think you can make an argument for the Taguchi Harada match for being the best match on the show. I think you had four matches and where you can make and they were all different. I thought all the matches were different, too, as different as junior matches can be. And um, this is exactly, I think, what you were to expect from Kushida and Ishimori. I think they have a better match in them, but I don't have any complaints about this match.
0: I, yeah, that, that's my prevailing thought is that I kind of wish they do it again. And that, that's where I, I was actually going to bring it up during the Ishimori segment of saying I wish that they would bring some of these guys in uh, from time to time in New Japan. Because I want to see these two on a big event, in a big event, you know, on a big...